and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, together with the Father Son, let's get reported to broadcast proudly on Global Star Radio Network and blog and talk radio, also seen live on YouTube Live on YouTube as well. We've got a great uh, program lined up for you tonight. We've got Kevin Ship. Now, he's going to be joining us at 7.05, five minutes into the program. Uh, so, you know, if you want to send me an email saying that the uh, introduction is too long, well, you got to understand that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry we about that. If you did happen to see a, a notebook fly across the screen, it was not an optical illusion. That was an actual notebook. As Joe was giving uh, John Robertson. You guys done now? Uh, I need it back. But, yeah, yeah we're Kind good. of like Sean Hannity in the football, you know. Uh, and blog talk radio. Stan Deo is going to be joining us first on this Tuesday. Usually he joins us in the third hour each and every Tuesday in Hour 3 with Stan. But he's been gracious enough to come on early because we got a very special guest coming on Hour 2 and 3, Mr. Jonathan Kahn. He's a, a fan favorite, a favorite of this show. And um, we are so excited to to bring him on to hear what he has to say. Now, Stan, there's been so much going on this last week including the continuation of natural disasters, earthquakes, and many other things. So we're going to get into this with Stan. I'm going to pull up his show images page. Folks, go to standeo.com. There you can reach his show images page on the right-hand side of the microphone underneath the YouTube icon. And each and every week, Stan has so much to talk about, and I'm sure this week is no different as there have been so much, there has been so much going on multiple earthquakes in Mexico, we have solar activity, hurricanes, and much, much more, and the wildfires, and also the early snow that we're seeing in Montana and other uh, mountainous areas, which they say is, is about 60 days early. All right, that's better. I got my earpiece in now. I can hear, and uh, okay, thanks, Eric. He said, hold on, we're still waiting for Stan. But a lot going on in the news, and we're going to jump right into this. Um, there's some stuff in the media. There's some stuff in the with the president and the NFL, which is pretty interesting because we've been talking about the NFL a little bit, both on The Daily Show and briefly on this show. There's huge backlash to uh, the number of players that are refusing to stand during the national anthem. Colin Kirkpatrick was the 49ers quarterback 
who was very successful in leading the San Francisco 49ers to a number of NFC Championship games. Well, at some point, he decided that the violence, the uh, alleged, the violence that was happening against African American youths and the police oppression of blacks, uh, by making a political statement, he decided to kneel uh, for the games during the national anthem, kind of causing a PR firestorm in the NFL. And it's even gotten so bad now that we have eight-year-old kids in peewee football who are not standing, or who, yeah, who are kneeling for the national anthem. And when you think about it like that, it's pretty crazy because, I mean, we're talking about eight-year-old kids making political statements based on somebody they deemed a hero as their football status. This is very troubling stuff as we see this political correct social justice uh, type of activity infecting our society. And it'd be one thing if this movement, the social justice movement, was more like a civil rights movement in the sense that they were fighting for uh, things like equality due to skin color and uh, wages due to skin color or uh, gender. But this is something completely different. This is a political statement, and many of these people who are participating in this have voiced vocal opposition to police so much so that they've called for their murders. There was a professor who I, I believe has since been suspended who was featured on Tucker Carlson last week who made the statement that he loved to teach future dead cops. The NFL has lost billions of dollars, even hundreds of billions of dollars of ratings just due to what many say it's, is due to the... Um, the NFL players kneeling down during the national anthem. And it has been a firestorm. Now, Trump has gotten in on it, and he has been uh, very vocal, saying that they, the owners should fire these people who are uh, not standing during the national anthem, not showing the proper respect to the flag and to the country that gave them the opportunity to be great players. So we got that going on. Uh, other news, we have Robert Mueller continuing to make uh, news in the publications such as the New York Times and the Washington Post. And now we hear, you know, continue it. We continue to hear the talks of uh, indictments against Manafort, the unmasking of Trump and his can uh, campaign people in Trump Towers through wiretapping a claim he made back in March or January, I believe, that has since come true. And there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. We have a battle inside the Senate and inside the House. There are the political divisions in this country are not just along ideological lines among the citizens. It also falls in Washington as well. And whether it's somebody like John McCain intentionally, I believe, paid to disrupt the Obamacare repeal vote there is a whole lot going on and it looks like even with Trump being the president which we all hoped for that things are getting much much tougher, tougher as far as governing as this bloated bureaucracy and deep state continue their assault not only on Trump but his supporters and the few media outlets that are left that defend him 
it's just amazing and it seems like each day we go it gets crazier and crazier and there is no end in sight again folks our guest this hour is mr standeo he's joining us early this uh, tuesday because we have mr jonathan Kahn coming up from hours eight to ten and stan was gracious enough to switch times so uh mr Kahn could come on with us when he was available Stan, it's been a very busy week. It's great to have you back on. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, lots of things. Um, certainly uh, the political things you were reading in the news, uh, I brief there, are on our mind. Uh, as you can see on the, the home page where Holly has updated the, the events on the news page today, a uh, huge number of things. Um, you've already covered the thing with the uh, you know take a knee type stuff, so I don't need to go over that again. There was um, something Holly was telling me earlier today uh, about the uh, fire uh, fires we've had in the United States this year. In 2015, there were 9 million acres of land burned, and that was the worst fire year to that date. This year, we're only three-quarters of the way through the year. We've got another three months to go, and we've already burned, um, you know, Eight and a half. I'm just eight point four six million now, and another three months. We could burn a lot more if things continue as they are. There are a million acres burning as we speak. A number of them in California. If you look at the earth changes that she's got on our page there, September the twenty sixth, there on the left hand column. Um, you know, those are vicious fires that just sprang up quickly because of the dry conditions there. The um, wildfires are expected in next month in October. To be in California, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and then in November, December, in California, Texas, and Oklahoma. So they're expecting these things to go all the way to the end of the year, and this may be a record year for that. Certainly, it's a record year for hurricanes. Uh, I, I uh, stumbled across a little article which I've got on my show images page. If you uh, go to um, Image 42 on the show images page. Uh, it's, it links you to a National Geographic article which is entitled Why This Hurricane Season Is So Active. And they're telling a couple of things there that I find most interesting. I wasn't aware of it, but, uh, until, you know, I read the article. The two causes that the MIT Atmospheric Physicist Gary Emanuel talks about for the, uh, uh, National Geographic article is that um, the surface winds and all the way up to 10 miles high have little difference in their speed. Now, you may think, well, so what? But if you want to have a tall hurricane, if you have shearing speeds that which increase as you go up, it, it won't allow the hurricane to grow up and be a, a big guy, you know, to stretch up the, uh, the upper atmosphere up to 10 miles high. Well, this is happening, so we are being... Uh, in the middle of a perfect storm for hurricanes, you know, as far as the atmospheric winds from 10 miles down to the surface being almost the same. And the other thing is, is the heat in the tropical portion of the Atlantic, you know, around the equatorial region, is extremely high, uh, holding, you know, a lot of thermal potential or thermal energy, which, you know, it's a large thermal mass. And that generates, you know, a flow of air upward over the ocean from that heat. It starts to then hit the Coriolis forces and spin, and, uh, you know, there you have it, a perfect storm from those two factors. So anyway, you can link to that article and 
other, you can be pretty much assured that uh, God is kind of letting America go its own way and not shielding it anymore because we've gone away from him. Um, this nuclear business um, has impressed, uh, you know, my team that have been, we're in uh, three different locations uh, trying to develop uh, a way to make free energy that's uh, free of um, EMP attacks so that people can, you know, rebuild and have electricity after either a solar EMP or a nuclear one. Solar EMPs are, for the most part, not as threatening as nuclear ones because, you know, I, in the past I thought that they were about the same, but they're not. Um, the the solar EMP basically uh, will cause, you know, lightning uh, flashes across power grid and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, and along the, uh, like, uh, telegraph-type lines they used to have it for the Carrington event, but it won't be doing a lot of the uh, short-term rapid damage to electronics. And so uh, my partner, Tim, and I, he's over in Kansas, we were talking about this here over the last few weeks, and he said, you know, um, I've been developing uh, something for us to use on our power system so that it's not going to be destroyed by lightning strikes or EMPs from the sun or from nuclear detonations. So uh, he drove over here last weekend and, uh, and showed me the device. You can hold it in one hand, it's a lightweight thing, but it is a very, very clever way to protect your home um, and, and our, our uh, antenna for our lightning system, our, for our power system. Uh, it's a very clever way to protect that. So that even if you have a direct lightning strike within about 10 feet of the antenna of the house, all that's going to happen is whatever that lightning hits will get melted, but it won't go in and destroy your electronics if you put one of these gizmos in your circuit breaker box. Now, Holly's put up a note to that on the, that effect on the uh, the home page on the right-hand column under World Events. You'll see a nuclear detonation picture there, and then an article underneath it says, Concerns over U.S. grid security rise as North Korea threatens EMP attack. And then she says in there, her note is, In the next several weeks, we will begin offering a complete EMP protection for home and business. Watch for the big announcement on this site. Now, <clears throat> that is true. And the device, the circuit uh, that uh, Tim has designed is now in uh, uh, production, getting ready for the release in October. It's a professional unit, and it is five times more protection, 500% better than the military boxes used, you know, on ships and aircraft and military equipment. Um, and on the military equipment that is protected for EMP, they have what's called metal oxide barristers, or MOVs. One hit from an EMP will be will uh, protect you and you, the the craft or whatever military device they've got it on, but that one hit will destroy the MOV. It'll fry it. So you've got to put another one in its place, or you don't have any more EMP protection. It's been destroyed. Well, ours that, that Tim has designed has um, backup circuits, parallel circuits, and a, a way to give you maybe 300 hits before it is ineffective. So it's 300 times better than the government, which bombs or burns up on one hit from an EMP. And uh, so while Tim was over, he, he shared with me a, a website that uh, is really quite, quite handy for those of us that wanted to know what to do to protect our things from EMP. Uh, certainly, uh, we'll have this available. It'll be, I'm pretty sure, around the $300 mark, and uh, you'll... It, if you're not an electrician, you'll have your local electrician come and wire it into your uh, household panel or just across the 20-amp uh, breaker. That's all that has to be done. And from that time forward, 
the, uh, the the cars really aren't protected. The majority of them, we, we thought we had to be back in the time before computers on, on the cars to be safe and have a car that would run after an EMP strike. And this electronic engineer is saying no. And he's been in the business a long time. So uh, he said, for instance, you know, with the cars, they're not big enough to uh, to be a long antenna to absorb uh, you know, and distribute a lot of the EMP pulse, the first one, the EMP. One, uh, to fry your car electronics. He said most cars will survive this. Um, in fact, I'm just going to read what he said. He says, cars dying, it's a, it's a myth. And if you look at my show images page, I'm on the middle picture uh, of the top row, 44. And if you go there, uh, it links you to his site, and all the pictures on that row link to one portion of his site or another, which are important things, preparing for EMP and getting rid of some of the myths that we worried about. Anyway, cars dying, he says. Some say that all vehicles traveling will come to a halt with all modern vehicles damaged because of their use of modern electronics. Uh, he says, and even one movie had a bulk non-electronic part dying. Most likely, there will be some vehicles affected, but probably just a small fraction of them, although this could create traffic jams in large cities. It doesn't destroy the cars. A car does not have very long cabling to act as antennas and there is some protection from metallic construction. As non-metallic materials are used more and more in the future to decrease weight and fuel efficiency, this advantage may disappear, but the metal cars are pretty much safe. So I found this quite refreshing, and I'm not going to have to go out and buy a 1972 antique car to have something to drive after the EMP hits. Um, it won't hit your watch, the wristwatches. You know, if you got them on, there's not a problem. Uh, and he, you know, he does give a lot of instruction in that particular link. You can go down through it yourself and see. Uh, uh, one thing that I, I was not aware of is when you have a nuclear EMP, it's got three parts to it, uh, EMP-1, EMP-2, and EMP-3. Um, and they're, they're, when you have, like, three or four nukes go off, which is possible when you're being attacked, the first nuke over the United States will uh, ionize the upper atmosphere um, up to the stratosphere, and it's over the line of sight from how high that bomb is. Now, that whole part of the atmosphere is then uh, conductive electrically, and it turns the uh, atmosphere in that uh, zone into an electromagnetic shield. So any more, uh, you know, EMP bombs that are launched after that for several minutes to hours or even days um, will not affect you because they, they're going to be hitting that charged electric envelope that the first bomb created. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, so multiple uh, detonations will only generate the first EMP uh, level one, two, and three. Now, <clears throat> those levels, or those three pulses, the very first one is the one that you got to worry about the most. That's the uh, very fast nuclear EMP component. Um, it's very brief. It happens, I think it starts to rise at about, oh, 50 billionths of a second, 50, you know, nanoseconds. And it, that's what generates these high spikes all over the grid network and into your homes and stuff to damage it. Now, <clears throat> the E1 is then uh, followed by uh, the E2, obviously, and um, it has a lot of similarities to the first pulse, uh, but it's slower and it uh, it won't create these these high voltages in the equipment and the lines connected to it it's like the pulse you get from lightning i mean that causes static on your radio stuff but doesn't zap your radio and that's the
and E3 uh, is, um, you know, it's called a solar uh, EMP equipment. It's one that's uh, broad, and it does punch into the atmosphere and, and, and create a charge and an effect on the whole magnetic field. But it's, um, you know, the most it will do is go into the electronics of the AC power grid. You know, like I was saying, there'll be arcs to ground from transformers and lines and stuff like that. But as far as the homes and businesses that are connected to it, there's going to be uh, very little damage if they're using the standard uh, EMP protection. But that's just for the third phase of this. Phase one that I was talking about, the E1, is the one that fries uh, things you're worried about in your house. Um, and, and Tim has, um, my partner Tim has um, got this thing so that it's multiple use. You can put it on your home protecting. He's making one for three-phase businesses as well, which will be ready in the same month, uh, you know, the same week, next uh, month and about the third week. Uh, and because we need it for our energy project, uh, you know, to protect our, our uh, high-energy uh, converter, this antenna outside, uh, it, it was something we needed. But he's releasing that first. And we'll have it on sale uh, on our website and uh, on our shopping cart and things like that. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we'll talk to Hagman's and various other people about distributing it to their listeners. And uh, I, as I understand, it will even be a promotion where, you know, like the Hagman's could say, okay, this is the unit that costs, you know, um, $350, but, we'll, but you'll get it for 300 or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the term but uh, anyway, these are going to be made available. We can do about 2,000 of them a week. So people that come first get the first uh, lot of the manufacturer. Okay, that's enough on nuclear EMPs. Uh, that okay. is one of the major things. Sorry, do you have a question? No, no, I was just saying okay <clears throat> to what you were saying. Um, and yeah, this is something that we were we've talked about a little bit on our daily show. About the possibilities of, well, we were looking at Puerto Rico and the whole island being without power possibly for months and the need for uh, preparations. And this is another scenario where, um, you know, if somebody of some nation, people went through this, that preparations would be so important. I mean, the difference between life and death. And it's... um. It's just amazing to see the weaponry that's been created and the damage that it can do. And when we look at the <clears throat> what it would cost to, to harden our systems against these kind of threats, it is uh, basically peanuts compared to what the cost would be if we didn't harden the uh, power grid and, and these other things and something like this happened. You know, Joe, uh, I can't uh, give you any proof for this, but I suspect that with all the discussion that's been in the Internet for the last three or four or five years about EMP threats and uh, the, the potential of nuclear war, that the government has been quietly hardening uh, the key components of our uh, power infrastructure, you know, the, the grid. Um, it's not something I'm sure that they would broadcast to the enemies. Um, let them go ahead and put their high-altitude nuke and uh, try to to destroy our grid with the EMPs and be surprised when, aha, we were prepared. Um, the uh, the necessity for that certainly is there, and I'm sure the government has done that in the background to certain things, especially the military things, but um, it is such an important part, such an obvious part of protecting the country that I'm pretty, pretty sure they've done it. Okay. <clears throat> 
I, I was reading uh, about the, uh, we just recently celebrated the anniversary of the Carrington event. I believe it was, um, <coughs> excuse me, 1898, 1878, something like that. Mm-hmm. All the, the, the wires of the telegraphs were burned. And they estimated today, if that, if that were to happen over the U.S. today, the cost of repair just in the U.S. would be over $2.3 trillion. And when we talk about hardening the power grid for an EMP scenario, it would only cost uh, between 2 and $4 billion if they were to well, preemptively take care of that. It, um, it may occur. Uh, Holly, uh, remember hardening the grid? We thought it was between 2 and $5 billion to uh, to harden it, uh, and there was something else. Right. That's not all the lines. It's just the major transformers, and the and the other amount was what, like fifty billion for the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah. So there's okay. you know still, but that compared to trillions, that's right. Not, right. Stan, um, we're up against the break. We got to take this break. We will be right back after these short messages, folks. Our guest is Stan Dale. Go to standale.com. Check out the show images page. Each and every time that he's on with us, he puts together some of the finest research and, and things that he's been looking at, and as well as standeo.com, where Holly curates some of the best news you'll find on the Internet. I love checking their site in the morning, and it is a very valuable source. So bookmark standeo.com. We'll be right back with Stan after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of end times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. 
you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. edition of the Hagman Report in segment two with Stan Dale. And no, uh, if you joined us late, you did not join us way too late. Usually stands on in hour three. But today, um, out of his generosity, he moved into hour one so Jonathan Kahn can join us from eight to ten. And that's going to be a great interview as well. Stan, I'm on your, your webpage here. And folks, go to standale.com. Check out the Show Images button right next to the microphone underneath the YouTube icon. And there you can check each and every story with graphics as what Stan's talking about when he comes on the show. We were talking about the EMP threat, Stan, and uh, before the break, do you want to continue there or would you like to switch gears? Oh, we can switch gears. I, I'll finish up what you were uh, saying, I guess, about the... Uh Carrington event that was in 1859 to look it up during the break uh, I have trouble turning those digits around thinking 1895 too but it was 1859 and of course they didn't have the electronics that we've got now but uh, anyway that was uh, solar and not nuclear the um, yeah let me just uh, push that away here on our show images page um, okay the volcanoes are becoming active, uh, as I show through uh, 40 and 41 slides. Uh, the uh, volcano Monaro down in Indonesia near Bali is um, one of the most active in the world. It's not the, the biggest, but it's one of the most active. And uh, they've been uh, taking people out of there, getting them to safety, evacuating them. Indonesia's Mount Nagung volcano also is uh, causing people to be evacuated. And if you look at, say, the last week of earthquakes around the planet uh, and pick, if you go to USGS and limit the value that you want to plot to five, Richter five, rather, um, you'll see that there were 40 earthquakes over Richter five around the planet during the last seven days. Um, and a great, in fact, the majority of them are on the western and southern southwestern portion of the arc of fire or the ring of fire around the Pacific, from Japan all the way down to an island south of uh, South Island, New Zealand. 
whole area is releasing stress. And I did notice that there was a little bit, a little bit of an effect that, like a shockwave, that seemed to travel across the Pacific, whether it be around the fault lines or straight through, right to where we saw the uh, Richter Seven in uh, Yutla, uh, Mexico, uh, probably uh, seven days ago. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned in, in this respect that the pent-up seismic uh, pressure does seem to be releasing all at uh, once here. Uh, that is good as long as it doesn't release, you know, one of the big ones like uh, the Wanda Fuca plate up in the, the northwest coast or you know, just offshore of the United States. That area there has been uh, busier than I'd like to see it over the last um, probably month. Uh, I'm just going to uh, put that, that search on and see. Yeah. Um, the corner of the, of the foot of the Wanda Fuca plate, you'll see an outline when you go to look at USGS and the Wanda Fuca plate uh, is down at the uh, Mendocino Fault which joins California, in Northern California and in the left corner of it there are a ton of little earthquakes showing something is, you know, happening there. Now we do have a subsea volcano in that area which could be producing those and there are a bunch of them as well uh, to the right part of that that toe of the Juan de Fuga uh, shape that's uh, at the end of the Mendocino Fault where it connects to California. I think that city uh, is something like Eugene or Eureka, uh, Eureka, that's what it is. It's just below Eureka. Uh, and uh, as I said, I'm thinking that that might be showing magma movements um, rather than uh, releasing the uh, Juan de Fuga plate uh, to release the Richter 9 plus that we're expecting. However, I'm sure you guys have been following the various uh, prophecies concerning the judgment of the United States uh, where there would be two hurricanes back-to-back uh, right on top of each other, in essence, as far as cleanup, followed by uh, a third catastrophe of some sort, and, uh, you know, a couple of earthquakes, uh, possibly uh, a third one being the big one. Uh, but where? Nobody seems to know exactly where. Um the the New Madrid fault line has had oh, a couple of small ones, you know, in the range of about uh, three to uh, two and a half to three, maybe four, in the last thirty days. So it's not exceptionally a- uh, active at the moment. But that that uh, New Madrid fault zone is a peculiar thing. It's not really a fault line; it's a fault zone. And if you go back to our show images page and scroll down all the way down to uh, image 5, down almost the second line for our second series from the bottom. And you look at that, and then click on the middle picture of the top row where it says rips. And that shows you uh, something rather interesting. Those yellow outlines outline the earthquakes that have occurred in the New Madrid region. Again, it is a region rather than a fault line, per se, because it's um, like vertical crystallized um, structures that are linked together as though uh, it was made when the United States almost split apart and formed eastern United States as a continent and western as a continent, but it didn't. Uh, I've been reading a report, uh, research being done on uh, Lake Michigan, and that it was formed, that toe-like shape it has, uh, that... uh, it was formed by an ancient asteroid impact. Could have been a comet as well, which left the water behind to make the lake. But it came to rest right above Chicago, right?
right there at the tip, uh, on the kind of left side of the toe. And these uh, rifts, which are possible areas for, you know, massive earthquakes to occur, come right up and follow a river that, that doesn't show on the map, but it curves over into the toe of where uh, Chicago is. The uh, So when we look at that, I'm just trying to see if I can get the name of that lake, uh, that river. It's not there, but anyway, the New Madrid has a kind of circuitous path as shown in that rift map uh, up into those that smaller yellow box, and it doesn't show, but there's a blue uh, outline of a circle there where it does head off toward Chicago, which if that whole area did convert into a massive earthquake, it could flood uh, Chicago, if not shake the heck out of it, and continue on down the uh, the New Madrid and cut across you know, the southern part of Oklahoma uh, heading west. So a lot of things could happen if we, we uh, triggered that area. Uh, just looking here to see if we need to be on that page anymore. If we don't, we'll go back over to uh, image six on the uh, show images page. Um, <clears throat> this is something I want to go to the top left image of the United States, which shows water levels. Um, and uh, I think I'll take the big one here. Okay, <clears throat> if you click on that uh, that map, you'll see. Uh, particularly pay attention to the uh, eastern side, the right side of the map. These uh, blue and green areas I generated by taking a, a height map, a topography map of the United States, and filling the areas that were 200 feet from sea level and those that were above 200 up to 500 feet from sea level. <clears throat> and you can see in this one here, the New Madrid area would suffer greatly in a... Uh, you know, a sea rise of 200 feet or flooding from, you know, a break in that area that was going to be a separation between the east and the west parts of the United States and go up to the top of it where Missouri is and follow the green, which is a 500-foot differential, going up into Illinois, and you see that little tributary heading off toward the tip of Lake Michigan, toward uh, Chicago. That tells me, looking at that, that this would be a prime weak spot you know, all along that green and blue down to the Gulf. And reports that people have made where they said, yeah, we saw that there was going to be uh, water emptying from the Great Lakes into the Gulf. Could very well happen if that fracture opens up the southern tip of Lake Michigan and it hits these uh, these streams that are already there and rivers. goes right down, down into the Mississippi. So this map tells you if you live in any of these areas where it's uh, the, the really blue parts, that you are subject to uh, damage from, certainly from storm surge, but also from tsunamis caused by something like the uh, uh, the Canary Islands, where you have potential for a tidal wave to be uh, generated at uh, Cumbria, 
Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, and we've had the September 23rd sign uh, appear, and uh, you know, as it says, the uh, Lord put the, the uh, lights in the heavens for you know uh, signs and for season. And uh, when uh, Jesus spoke of uh, the time that you would see the great tribulation and the time of His coming, whether it be pre-trib, mid, or whatever, that there, you know, uh, there would be a, a, a season. You know that, that you would know it's a season by seeing these signs, and I think the um, uh, the alignment that occurred on the 23rd of Virgo and Leo, and all the you know the three planets lined up and all that was kind of God's way to say this is the season, and uh, you need to be paying attention and, and uh, getting closer to me. I know a lot of folks were looking forward to something happening on the 23rd, you know, on that date exactly. But as I've said many times, it's a seasonal alert that we are in that season, just like. The Star of Bethlehem alerted people to the season of the, the birth of the Messiah, although they did miss it, except for the, the Magi. But anyway, did you get anybody who was concerned over that at all? Well, you know, Stan, the September, tw- I saw so much online about the September 23rd date, and you know how these, these dates go. On internet forums from Time Bomb 2000 to Free Republic to others, it turned into a uh, date setting rapture fest where so called Christians said, you know, the rapture's tomorrow and, uh, you know, basically so sure of themselves, <laughs> short of sell- selling their house and, and feeding the hungry with the money with, with the time they had left. And Did I come think. Up do that? Well, they didn't sell their house, no, but I mean, they stopped short of that. But I I do have a feeling that there are government trolls out there, or bots, that put this kind of information out there on a regular basis on purpose in order to give Christians a bad name. Enough Christians do it to themselves, but just the, I mean, people at least in my experience should should know better, should learn. How many times have we been through uh, these scenarios with these dates, you know, from the end of the Mayan calendar to the year 2000 to, I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. And we know that, uh, historically and biblically that, as Jesus says, at a time when we least expect it, he's gonna come. And not only that, but he says, you know, don't, you know, we do, we're not to set dates. So I believe that there are, there's a faction of, of, some kind of rogue element out there pretending to be Christians that do it in order just to give Christians a bad name. Oh, I'm sure that's uh, quite the thing. The the thing to remember, though, for people who are looking for the turn of the Lord at, at some time, you know, as I say, pre-trib at the beginning, in the middle, or whatever, um, you should not uh, stop looking for his return. That's when people start to say, oh, where's, where's the promise of his coming? I'm, I'm going to forget it. We should never do that. We should always be looking up, as generations in the past have done, uh, who are, you know, of course, may have been the grave now. But the point is, if when you least expect it, it's like, you know, here's a, a, a date that those people were saying, it's got to happen on this date, and it passes. And so people lose faith and fall away like the five foolish versions. So I just tell people, look, keep looking up every day. Pray that you're found worthy when he comes for you. And uh, be on the alert and don't give up. And that's, you know, I think that's good advice. 
Oh, absolutely. It's it's good advice. And if people had the mentality of, excuse me, of being ready for a rapture, you know, preparing or a tribulation type event, and they were always in that mindset, these dates should never bother them because they would always be in that preparedness, spiritually preparedness mindset. situation is, as you say, a, a, a potential like we saw in 1988 with Weisman's book, you know, uh, uh, that the, the uh, rapture would occur uh, in that year at some date. I forget what it was, but, you know, uh, that that does serve to weaken the faith and people to leave the, the belief. And, and uh, if they have anything, it's not going to be what it should be as far as the faith. You know, they might just be atheists after that. I don't know, but it's definitely planned to, to break up the Christian community. Oh, yeah. And they've done, they've done a really good job. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah. people are so skeptical any time. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a date. It could just be... Uh, well, an example is these uh, disasters that have happened in a very sh- short span of time. Mm-hmm. Every t- Every time we see this happen where these uh, you know, you get the hurricanes, you get the, the earthquakes, and they're all happening within a few months of each other. Then you got the eclipse on top of it. Everybody wants to try to equate these things to Bible prophecy. And not that <clears throat> they're wrong in a sense, but we can't try to fit every event that happens into some kind of Bible prophecy. It will uh, not be self-explanatory, but it will be evident to those who are studying the Word when it is, I mean, when these things are really happening in a prophetic way, and I believe that, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, especially like Hurricane Harvey, for example, I'm not saying that that was a prophetic event, but it is something that hopefully leads Christians to open their eyes and to understand that the times might be getting shorter. Not that it's the end of the world when we have six named hurricanes during a hurricane season, um, you know, not global warming, but we need to understand the foundations of God from the scripture. And, you know, he doesn't drop leaflets and flowers and say, hey, uh, things are going to get rough soon. These are the well, kind of ways that he brings that about. Yeah. And, you know, you if you believe in God and the fact that uh, originally we were a nation that was uh, built uh, in the faith of God, uh, the Christian faith, and and Jewish people here as well that to help to form the country, then when you see the country straying from the the word and from the law that God has laid down that we should try to obey or follow, uh, then when you see bad things happen to this country, you have to at least think, well, this is kind of a judgment. We're not doing the right thing. And it doesn't mean the end of the world, but it certainly means the country, uh, per se, needs to kind of shape up its act because basically America should have been the light you know, uh, of God's word to the world, you know, and it has been in the past. But now then it's straying from that. And I think that I would say that the double hurricanes and, uh, you know, the, the serious ones and uh, perhaps some earthquakes will happen in the near future, a nuclear attack, that these things could all be signs that God's not pleased with us. And, uh, you know, um, what was it? Paul said that the Thessalonians, I think, was that they said, look, has the rapture come and we've missed it? And he says, no, it's the 
commandments hadn't been revealed yet. That's the Antichrist I'm pretty sure he's talking about. Well, we haven't seen an Antichrist yet. And so, you know, between now and sometime in the future, when the Antichrist will be revealed, um, the rapture may occur. It's the way I see it, but uh, that might be three or four years. Who knows? Yeah. No, I mean, who knows? Um, But at some point we have to understand so many people look for natural natural reasons like global warming as an excuse for this kind of increased severe weather other people uh, will say it is um you know a ju- god's judgment on a p- specific people or a country and if we look at the uh in the bible historically when we see that there have been, you know, calamities and disasters and even wars that they were a lot of times brought on for a purpose. And it was to teach people a lesson. And if you look at what happened uh, with 9-11, when the towers were brought down and they rebuilt the towers, what was the scripture that the then President Obama put on the uh, spire? You know, we will rebuild, we will rebuild stronger. It was in defiance to the Lord. And we see the same kind of attitude when we see these uh, natural disasters. And it just shows that, you know, little has changed. And we continue to be rebellious as a people and as a nation towards God. Not recognizing that these, in, in many cases, are warnings for us to change our ways. But they want to be defiant in the face of God instead of accepting it for what it is. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, people that aren't believers, you know, followers of uh, Yeshua, they will say, "Okay, it was a coincidence." You know, the tropical heat that I talked about caused these hurricanes. It's just a uh, confluence of very unfortunate uh, natural uh, events. And then there will be another section of the liberal press that would say, well, this is global warming from man efforts or man-made institutions or industrial commerce or whatever. And the real cause of these things, physically speaking, not by God's will, but just by the way that the solar system is organized, is the sun is going through a change in its chemistry. And it's it's emitting more ultraviolet and different frequencies than it has, uh, as far as we know, and recorded uh, scientific history of it. Now, God uses earthquakes. He uses, like with Moses, when he told him to strike this rock, split it in two, and water will flow out and, you know, give water to the uh, nation of Israel there. Uh, There was obviously at some point in time a water uh, uh, aquifer there that was under pressure or an under-pressure stream, and when he cracked the rock, it opened it up. And people say, well, that was lucky that Moses found that, but it wasn't. He was directed by God to do that. And, um, you know, when they walked across the, the dry part of the, uh, the uh, Red Sea, uh, you know, the, the crossing of the Red Sea ahead of the chariots of, uh, uh, of uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, when they did that, I found the place where this was most probably occurring from just following the scripture. And there was a very unusual uh, hurricane-type situation there, like a super tornado that sat on the top of that, that little... Um, circular part at the top of the Suez Canal there, and it it uh, forced the water to flow uh, and uh, dry out a, a path across that very shallow part of the uh, 
No, I, uh, I understand. And, you know, many people are concerned from what we saw on the 21st of August to, uh, of the eclipse to the sign we saw yesterday of Revelation 12 or two days ago, whenever that was, the 23rd. Like the blood moons, we heard a lot about the, the tetrad of blood moons before they happened. <clears throat> and we heard about the historical, um, significance of those of those blood moons and the further destruction that seemed to follow them many people <clears throat> are making the case that uh, especially after the 23rd came and went many people who were calling for something to happen on the 23rd are now making the case that oh well you know it's just like the blood moons you have to wait a few months you have to wait you know and then it will come but regardless of what they say there is definitely a time that we're living in that is very strange and I believe it is biblical because there are just so many, so many things going on. Not the hurricanes, not just the earthquakes, but the spiritual, um, increase of attacks that's going on, the Middle East, uh, being torn apart by the Arab Spring, the potential peace deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia and Qatar. There are things moving here that a uh, hundred years ago you couldn't have all these events happening at once because Israel wasn't a nation. I mean, so much is different now. And it's all, uh, as the Bible said, came about as it would happen. So the time period that we live in now is definitely very special. And it's because for the first time in history, everything is on the table. And everything that the scripture talks about that needs to be there um is is just about there for these events to start happening the way that the prophecies say Stan we're already out of time I want to thank you again for joining us in the first hour switching the times uh that you usually come on usually stands on in the third hour on Tuesdays but today he was generous enough to come on in hour 1 as Jonathan Kahn will be joining us the next 2 hours Stan tell Holly we said hi and thank you and you guys have a great week you bet bye bye now God bless you, Stan. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to agmanreport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. 
Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, thank you, Stan Dale, by the way, for what a great hour. Now, we have we got a mighty treat for you. Jonathan Kahn, who, in fact, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite people. Jonathan Kahn, he caused a national stir, if you, you may recall, with the release of the New York Times bestseller, The Harbinger and the mystery of the Shemitah, and, of course, the Book of Mysteries. Now, he's addressed members of Congress. If you've watched him on YouTube, I mean, the energy that, that, he, is, that he exhibited, my goodness, it was, it was unbelievable how he engaged the various people there. And he's spoken at the United Nations and, and was named, along with Billy Graham and, of course, Karen Green, as one of the top 40 spiritual leaders over the last 40 years who radically changed the world. And I can tell you, he not only changed the world, but he changed our world here at the Hagman Studio, my world personally, through his writings. And it's, and I don't want to over, it seem like I'm overstating this or causing a lot of false flattery. Not at all. But when you read his works from The Harbinger, to the mystery of the Shemitah, now to his new book, The Paradigm, right here. Theparadigmmystery.com is where you can get it, as well as on Amazon. Uh, this book really is an incredible work the, to top off his previous works. Um, Jonathan Kahn is known as a prophetic voice in this generation for the opening of the deep mysteries uh, of God. 
and and I believe that reading this and reading his other works, uh, Mr. Khan leads hope of the world, um, bringing God's word to the nations and to help the world's most needy, and the Jerusalem Center in Wayne, New Jersey. I've got to stop by and buy him a cup of coffee when I'm there. Uh, his ministry can be contacted at hopeoftheworld.org, and of course Jonathan uh, and Jonathan Khan. So, Rabbi Khan, thank you so much for agreeing to join us today. Oh, it's always my blessing to be with you guys. I, I love your work. I love what you're doing, and uh, you know I'm of one spirit with you. But always a joy. Well, it's our pleasure. And we were talking before the show. We both, uh, Joe and I both read the paradigm, and in fact, uh, we had, uh, spread this among the, the book among our staff here, and we agree that it's one of the most engaging books that, uh, that you've written, I believe. And we're, you know, we're so honored to have you again, New York Times bestselling author and such. But, um, now, the paradigm is your most explosive book yet. Could you tell us what the paradigm, you know, what, yeah, what it yeah. is and could you set the stage for us? Yeah, and and since we have a little time, let me just share something I wouldn't probably share on most places. Um, but this is, you know, every time a book comes out, every time from the Harbinger on, every time I've done it, there's always intense warfare every single time, and there's always an attack that comes usually on the day of the release. And with the Harbinger, it was a hurricane that swept through our minute, our building, and with four feet of water, we had no place for two months after that. Um, with the mystery of the Shemitah on that day. Um, I mean, actually, the stroke of midnight of the release day, I'm rushed to the hospital, I'm paralyzed with some strange illness, and in the hospital for the week of the release. Well, when I, well, with this, 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 uh, the paradigm released um, just last week, you know, on September 19th, and so I was ready. I mean, I told people to pray, and I, you know, all that, but. And on the day, I wake up with severe pains. I, I'm rushed to the emergency room. My appendix was ruptures. And so I'm rushed into surgery on the day of the release. I've never been in surgery in my life. On the day of the release of the paradigm and, and spent the whole, the whole week of the release. I had to cancel interviews all over in the hospital. I just got out yesterday. I was, yesterday was my first day. So this is actually my first interview since, since the book released because of that. Wow. So, so and I mean, and, and I take it as a good sign. I mean, it's always I'm, I'm encouraged because when the enemy goes crazy, that's a good sign that God is God is doing something. God is going to do something. Um, so I'm I'm always expecting that, but absolute. So so I'm you know I'm blessed that this is with you guys right now. So um, so let me tell you that for the, for those who don't know, uh, the paradigm. If I would say this way, the par- the paradigm is imagine if they discovered a master blueprint behind everything that's happening now and from a blueprint from ancient times from the bible that reveals what has happened what is happening what what is to happen um not just the events of our time and not just in a general you know people talking generally about prophecy but specific i mean so specific that it not only gives the the events but the timing when they are to happen it it it, it will give the years of the events or when they're to take place in some cases the month the week the hour i mean the the dates of some of the most um the the most pivotal events of our lives all according to this ancient paradigm and what if it revealed the the outcome of elections before they happen um what if it revealed that behind the the leaders of our day 
They're, each one has an ancient leader that is their prototype that they are following, that they are, in a sense, bound by, that their, their, their time on the national stage is being determined by. In fact, that what if the paradigm gives the time that they're allotted to remain on the stage and when their time ends? So what if everything we're dealing with is a replaying, in one sense, of a mystery that God has in this master blueprint? And what if we can open it up? Could it contain a warning that we need to know? If the, the thing is, I mean, the ultimate thing is that if we had known, if I had known, and I, I didn't, and this all came to me, you know, January, yeah, January and February. But if I had known the harbinger, if we had known the harbinger, actually, if we knew the harbinger, if we had known the paradigm, and by the way, the paradigm is linked to the harbinger. Um, it's, it's almost like the other dimension. They both come from the same template, but it's like the other dimension of the harbinger. Um, and that is that if we had known the paradigm, this blueprint, then we could have, years ago, you could have marked in your calendar when, exactly when these world events would occur, um, down to the date, in some cases down to the hour. That's how, that's how eerie it is, that's how, or stunning God is, that, cause he has everything in control. But that, that's a, a quick kind of introduction to what is the paradigm. Paradigm is the master blueprint um, of what's happening now. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll put it in these terms. If you read when Paul writes in Corinthians, he says that these things, and he's talking about what happened to Israel, he's particularly talking about the falling away of Israel. He says these things were happened as, as examples to us. And a lot of people know that scripture. But in the Greek, it says these things happened as to be not examples, but tupas, or types, or paradigms. So what it's saying is the fall of ancient Israel is a paradigm for us. And the thing is, it's not just a general thing. It's, it's incredibly, amazingly specific that behind all these things that have happened in the times of our lives has been this master blueprint. That that's incredible, and I like the way you frame that. By the way, um, going back to your the beginning of your your statement about the paradigm being the um, uh, the, the blueprint uh, or related to the harbinger in in the way it is, and and I and I got that as I was reading the paradigm and the specificity uh, yes. with respect. That it amazed me, and and I. I and forgive me for even saying this, but you know you've got uh, people detractors who say, "Well, uh, the harbinger, for example, think the, the certain things never happened or they didn't have." Um, uh, but when you read the paradigm, it kind of it, it's a thought connector, isn't it? I mean, it, it's yeah, yeah, it's an, yeah, absolutely. And, and and by the way, with with the, with the with the harbinger, the harbinger is a warning, and where we where you know, what has happened and where we are heading as a nation, and we have not stopped. You know, um, so you know if people want judgment early. You know, that I don't think we should be praying for that. But we are. You know, America has been racing. You know, from the time of the harbinger, from the time of nine eleven, we've been. You know, it's we've been continually heading. The harbingers have not stopped. Um, this is. You know, things have headed continuously in the same exact path as ancient Israel did, which was draw, you know driving God out even. From where we are, from nine eleven to where we are now, I mean that that is gigantic. So, um, yeah, but, you know we should we need to be praying for revival. We'll get to that, but but the point is so yes, and and what you just said is is absolutely correct. It is linked to the harbinger, and yeah, it, it'll it takes it takes you right up to I mean as you know because you read it, it takes us right up to where we are exactly right now. You know exactly. And yep. It's kind of like um, you know it's kind of like the, the harbinger is. 
showing the signs that were the warnings that were given to ancient Israel as it was falling away from God and as the warnings of judgment. The paradigm is showing that everything else, it wasn't just the signs, that these signs have now appeared in America, and they have um, with specificity, as you said, but it's that everything else is part of the same thing, that not, our, our news events is part of this, it, our, our leaders are part of this, our, the, the, the events of our times are all part of this. It's kind of like we're, in a sense, you want to connect it, it's like we're living inside, our, our entire times, our age is a harbinger, linking us up to that same time, which is a, which is the, the fall of ancient Israel and the fall of a nation and the warning of judgment. So it all, as, you, as you're, you're, you're bringing up, it all connects and it all um, converges together. And so, but you know, when I wrote The Harbinger, I, did, I didn't know anything about this. But the other, the other thing is that what's similar also with The Harbinger, they both take, and, and the paradigm is they both, the, the template both it, it come from the northern kingdom of ancient Israel in the fall of the, that nation, but and now it's linked to what's happening in America, and and both these things converge in America. So that's kind of ominous. The other thing is that that both with the harbinger and the paradigm, people, what was happening is that believers were often saying, you know what? Yeah, I, I always had a sense that that thing was that, or that person was that. I always had a sense of that, you know, or, or I got a glimpse of that. But or I always had a sense that nine eleven was a was a wake up, you know. But it's not just a sense. What the, what these are what the paradigm is saying is it is an intricate um, revelation of God, prophetic revelation of where we are, where we have been, and where we're going. Exactly. And um, I have to mention this as well, because my, my wife and I were, were both reading uh, the paradigm, and I just want to share this with our audience. Uh, we both at the same time, uh, swapping the book back and forth, we, we both almost at the same time in the same places saying, asking one another for, uh, the, you know, hey, can, can you get, hand me the harbinger, you know, during the, um, during our reads together. So it was, it was kind of fun. Uh, but, but you're, but you're right on the money. And again, I didn't want to go back too far, but, but, uh, nonetheless, I thought that was important. And oh, yeah. For, 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 for those people joining us, Jonathan Kahn is, is our guest. And of course, folks, you know Jonathan Kahn, Mystery of the Shemitah, the Book of Mysteries, and of course, The Harbinger, now The Paradigm, uh, which is, which, and by the way, what exactly is a paradigm? And just to reiterate this, it, it's, oh, yeah. it, it's defined as a pattern, a model, a template, a prototype, um, mm-hmm. and exemplar. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we've got that definition established. And, um, now, would you say this because, now this is unscripted, of course, uh, there's kind of nothing new under the sun. Everything we're seeing today has been, <laughs> it's, it's blueprinted out for us, and we've seen it before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting you say that because, yeah, there there are people coming. You said, you know, when you're doing this, you know, I got the scripture. There's nothing new under the sun. Meaning, what has been is, and yeah, because there are cycles, and because really, because I mean, human nature is human nature, but God is God, and you know, God also, you know, He weaves everything together. He weaves every event together, and He He knows the the He knows the end from the beginning, and He know He knows He knew you know what was going to happen now. Obviously, you know, thousands of years ago. Now, now we say, well, yeah. You know that theologically that's true, but when you really get the gist of that, I mean, he knew he knew that all there. So he put all sorts of things in his word, and to that that are going to speak to us, and he's going to use his word because the paradigm is obviously it is it is. From 
from the Word of God. He's going to use it to speak to us, just as with a harbinger, to get a message very clear. That it's not just it's not just you know it's not interpretation. It's not you know okay what does this mean? You know the, you know the, you know the, the you know the weather went this way or that way. This could mean this or this. It's it's linked to the Word of God. So it's giving a it's a very clear message. You can't miss it. You know and you know God also uses paradigms throughout the Bible. You know he said they're symbols, they're archetypes, they're patterns. You know the pattern of the temple, the pattern of the tabernacle that Moses saw. You know the the pattern of of the heavenlies. You know um, the the prophetic symbolism or harbingers when um, or paradigms where where uh, Jeremiah he takes a a vessel and smashes it and it's a paradigm of Jerusalem's fall. Well, that's throughout the entire Bible. So God uses it. But this, this is a paradigm of an entire civilization and things that we've been living. All of us, you know, in one form or another, it's been these events have been affecting our lives. And a lot of times we're saying, okay, what are you doing, God? What is this? What is, well, this is what the paradigm is revealing. It's this. This is what you've been living. This is what you've been witnessing. This is what's been affecting your life, your entire. This and you know, it also says, and I know you know, it says, you know, in uh, you know, it says, it says that the sons of Isgar knew the times. You know, we are yes. to know the times, and that's what this is revealing. You you use the that scripture from uh, you know from Ecclesiastes. You know, there's nothing new in the sun. Interesting, I was doing um, an interview before the release, you know, which was with Coast, you know, with Coast to Coast, which, you know, you know, has all sorts of stuff on it. But as they're doing it, you know, as they come back, the music that they chose was the birds that sing to everything, turn, turn, there is a time to do this, there is a time to, that's taken from that's exact verse. So now I'm sure that it goes because they had no idea what they were doing. But I know, but God did. <laughs> the way of God saying, I'm in control of everything. Absolutely amazing. And, and most assuredly, he does. Um, Jonathan Cohn, of course, our guest. And, and folks, you can buy the book on Amazon. Just released just, what, a week ago? Less than a week yeah, ago. Or, yeah. Uh, September 19th. That's you it. can, and watch the trailer at the paradigmmystery.com and Amazon as well, uh, to, to purchase the book. Fantastic book. And, uh, Rabbi Khan, um, out of deference and continuation of thought, we'll skip the bottom of the hour break if you're up for that, okay? Sure. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Great. All right. And, and I want to thank Global Star Radio Network for allowing us to do that. We're going to skip the bottom of the hour break just for continuity. Uh, the sick continuity, but uh, the, the paradigm itself, and then we we kind of touched on the periphery of this. It, it speaks of an ancient scandal. Yeah. What you know? Well, what? Yeah. Okay, go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's well. Yeah, let, let's we can set the stage. I'm sure you want to do that. Sure. Uh, yeah. The 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 overall picture, or the big, or the kind of the big macro picture of the paradigm, and that's and that's before we'll get we'll get totally specific. And I'm, and also, by the way, I'm blessed with not only you know what you do, but also. I'm able, you know, I do, I'm able, we're able here to get into some details because of the time, which is awesome. So I'll, I'll get very specific as well. The, the big picture is that of the fall of a civilization, the fall of ancient Israel that had known God, been established by God, but they turned away, they began driving God out of their lives, they began driving God out of their public square, 
They began turning to other gods and idols, uh, particularly the god who's called Baal or Baal. Um, and in the worship of Baal, they begin, they begin, uh, you know, degrading themselves into sexual immorality. Um, they had temple prostitutes, um, you know, publicly demonstrating these things. They had, they had the images of the goddesses. These are, these are basically naked images or erotic images. Their, their culture became sexualized, eroticized. Um, they begin offering up their children on the altar of Baal. Now, now that's the overall picture, that we'll get very specific, but that's the overall picture of the fall of this civilization. Well, what, what, what are we now? Where are we now? Israel, you know, there's two nations, two civilizations in the world that were founded on the, the Word of God, or the purpose of God solely, and that is Israel, and the other is America, in the Puritans. The only, it was totally founded, dedicated to God, and was dedicated after the pattern of Israel. And by the way, you know, this, this the paradigm it has to do with the whole world it, and, and the West, because you, you have this, this foundation throughout the entire Western culture. You have the gospel, you have all this, but now, now you have this apostasy, you know, in America, but it's particularly because America had that link to Israel. And, you know, uh, one of the Puritans, John Winthrop, said that, that, you know, you know, we shall be a city on a hill if we follow God. We'll be the most blessed people. Well, people know that, city on the hill, but they, they, they skip the next verse of what he said. He said, but if we turn away from God, then just as God blessed us as he blessed Israel, God will judge us. The judgments that came on Israel will come upon us. And that's where all this begins to kick in. And so what happens with America and the West is what happened to Israel. That America begins turning away from God, as, as does the West. Begins driving him out of his, the public square. Begins calling evil good and good evil. Uh, begins to take in other, you know, they will never say that we're worshiping other gods, but we do. And, you know, when a nation turns away from God, it turns to Baal in some form. And so what that means is there's going to be a, a, a sexual revolution of immorality. Well, that, we're witnessing that too. In ancient Israel, there were images of naked goddesses all around. Well, we, we also have a sexualized culture. Uh, in the same way, they begin to offer up their children on the altars. Well, we have not offered up thousands of children. We have offered up millions of children. And so we are following this one step. And by the way, also part of the, the, the this, is the, this is kind of the, the overall picture of the paradigm, is when Israel was descending into Baal worship, it also not only went into sexual sin, but also went into sexual confusion, the confusing of gender. That was also part of the worship of Baal. So that we're following everything. And so that's, the, we have the big picture. But now we're going to get incredibly specific. And that is that what happens is that in Israel's fall, it enters this period where it accelerates, it deepens, where where the anti-biblical morality starts taking over the biblical morality, where what was done in the closet comes out into the mainstream, where where things that were taboo now become they are advocated from the throne itself. You have you have leaders that rise up that are going to actually um, actually advocate against God, and it's and they're going to from the throne they're going to advocate for Baal. Well, this is going to now get extremely specific, and I want to say something because we're going to we're going to name names. But as we do that, it's not about the people. You know, the, we have no enemies. We're to, to love all people and pray for all people, but but what it's saying is that these modern people, not that they know what they're doing, they are walking in these templates, in these paradigms. And so the first thing that happens is a king rises up, 
in Hebrew, his name is Ahav, and and it's in the book. It's the chapter called the King, and and we know him as Ahab, and he begins a culture war. He begins from the throne, the first king to advocate for Baal, first king from the throne. That means to advocate for child sacrifice. First king to advocate for sexual immorality. All those things are happening. And he's actually a divided man. I mean, Ahab knows of God, and he divides. He's going back and forth. He's compromised. He's an apostate. He, he's, he's, he, he wavers back and forth. He's, he's a man of a weak, a weak will, and also he's a man of scandal. He's, he's a, in a, an apostasy and scandal. So... Could there be a modern leader? Could there be a period in America and a modern leader that begins it? Well, we do have a period that accelerated, the, and we even called it a culture war. That was the beginning. It began after the Reagan years, and since then, things have been accelerating. Early 90s, the culture war begins in America. And at the same time, a man rises up, and his name, of course, is Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton will follow the paradigm of Ahab. He will be, he will know of God, came from the Bible Belt, but he'll be a divided man. He'll be wavering. He'll be, uh, he'll be, he'll go against the values he even knew about. He will champion, he'll be the first president to champion values that no president had ever championed before. And that will actually lead us to where we are now. He will champion the, the sacrifice of children. First president to champion abortion. That's linked to bail. He will be the first president to champion certain, um, sexual immorality that had never been before. He will be divided, compromised. He will be known for being weak-willed in many ways and all, and pioneering these things. And also that he will be, just as Ahab was, he will be a man of scandal. Um, now, at the same time, Ahab was not alone. There was a queen with him. And it was the first time in the history of Israel that it wasn't just a king. It was a king and queen who were almost equally ruling. And the queen was called Isabel. In Hebrew, we know her as Jezebel. She comes from Phoenicia. She's a princess. She's a, the daughter of the priest, the priest of Astarte. So she's, she's steeped into paganism. She grows up worshiping female power, which is the goddess Astarte. And she, she joins us. She, she, she comes from a very cosmopolitan culture. And she joins her husband. She, she marries Ahab, moves to Israel, which is a conservative land. And she always sees traditional values as obstacles and against an agenda that she has. And she influences the king, and she she's really inciting the king, and she becomes the chief champion in the land of Baal worship, which means she becomes the chief champion of child sacrifice. And she has her own uh, she, has a, she, she has her own court in in the palace, so it's a co-regency, and she's usually she's depicted by personality. She's the harder personality. She's she's distrusted by many, and yet together they set in motion this 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 acceleration of the nation's fall. Now, what happens with Bill Clinton? He doesn't reign alone. There is another, and of course, her name is Hillary Clinton. It's not about her, but she will follow the paradigm of Jezebel, meaning this, and it's not about her motives, it's not about her morality in her own personal life, what it, it means is this, she, number one, she will grow up 
worshipping female power, radical feminist. She will co-reign with her husband. They even called it the co-presidency. She will uh, really incite her husband to the to an agenda. She will also have her own place in the palace. Only first lady who had an office in the in the West Wing had her own courts, had her own staff. Um, she will be the as Jezebel was the chief champion of child sacrifice. Hillary Clinton will become the chief champion in America of abortion. That above all issues is abortion. Like Jezebel, she'll be distrusted in many ways. Together, they will set in motion these things that are affecting us to this day. Now, it's not just that. That's just a setup. Not just that. There's a chapter called The Days of the King. And how long was Bill Clinton on the national stage? Well, he, he came on the national stage in 1979 when he was elected governor of Arkansas. He went right from governor of Arkansas to president of the United States. And, and Hillary Clinton went right from first lady to first lady of America. And so how long did he have on the national stage? Well, he went all the way until the end of his presidency in January 2001. You take it 1979, January to January 2001, you end up with 22 years. There are 22 years of Bill Clinton. Open up the book of Kings, First Kings 16.29. It says this, Ahab, son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria for a period of 22 years. Bill Clinton follows the paradigm of Ahab down to the years. His years are determined by the years of Ahab, not, and, and so the policies, and so the nature. And the, and the other thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, I won't um, get into, you know, the, all the details of this one, but there's a chapter called The Goddess, and I'll say this, in, in, the, in the ancient paradigm, the, uh, Jezebel, the first lady, brings priests of the goddesses into the palace and and, and they they there they minister what they whatever they do uh well we know what they do they actually are engaged with with um uh consulting with the dead and also uh, conjuring and all sorts of things well could that possibly happen in america well what that chapter reveals is it did happen in america the first lady did bring a priest of a high priest of the goddesses into the White House, and they had sessions in the White House doing exactly what what the priest of Jezebel did, which was dealing with consulting with the dead and and much more. And and it even involved. I mean, uh, it, there's even a link to the very goddess that Jezebel worshipped. So I mean, it would seem crazy that that could happen. But according to the paradigm, it actually, actually happened. And this is where we are right now is leading up to what you what you were you alluded to, which is the scandal. You know, uh, Rabbi Kahn, and folks, Rabbi Kahn is our guest, Jonathan Kahn, a best-selling New York Times best-selling author, Mystery of the Shemitah, and, and many other books. View the trailer at theparadigmmystery.com. Of course, you can purchase the book there, Amazon, but definitely grab a hold of this book. And uh, we are so thankful, by the way, Joe and I, that, that uh, Mr. Khan has uh, joined us after, as he mentioned, uh, a, a stint of hospitalization, unexpected. So we're so grateful that, that he's with us. But I've got to tell you that what we're talking about here, and just to, just to preface this again, is a blueprint dating back almost 3,000 years, and it's incredible in its specificity, I, I was just absolutely uh, blown away by by what uh, Mr. Khan has written, and to see it, the the, the words, the uh, 
everything just jumped off the pages. And I know that you will be blessed by this book. Go ahead, uh, Mr. Conn. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. I just oh, want to no, 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 just no, reinforce. Want to <laughs> Man, yeah, no, I want to, I want to give you that. Yeah. No, and, and I'm, and, and so where it leads now is, um, is to a vineyard. And this is an ancient scandal that the, you know, the, Ahab and Jezebel wasn't just about apostasy. It was also a time of, of scandal. Their reign was known for scandal. Well, of course, the Clinton years were, of course, known for scandal. The scandal involves a, and the, the chapter is, one chapter is called the vineyard, involves this vineyard that they try to, that they take from a man named Naboth and they actually kill him on false charges and then try to take it. And when they, when Ahab tries to take it, he finds instead, he finds someone waiting for him at the, in the vineyard and that is the prophet. Elijah, who exposes the scandal and then prophesies his judgment and the judgment of the house of Ahab and Jezebel, everything else. So it's a very key moment. Now, now, an amazing thing is, I mean, there's so much to this. I mean, not only was the Clinton years linked to scandal, but more than one. But but this paradigm, it's going to amazingly put these things together. First of all, you know, the, the here we have a scandal that has to do with a piece of land that and that it was acquired uh, not legally by the king and queen. And interesting because the longest scandal of the Clinton years was the Whitewater scandal, of course. What was that about? It was about a piece of land that was, and the charges were that it was acquired not legally. And this is not to, to impugn guilt, but the fact is the, the, even, even the appearance follows these things. There was a man who, you know, in the ancient scandal who died, Naboth, um, and an innocent man. And so there was also a man who died that was linked to that scandal who was Vince Foster. And there was a lot of speculation. I'm not getting into that, but... Uh, interesting thing, the man who died in the paradigm, Naboth, his name means fruits, and a vineyard, he's linked to the vineyard, the vineyard is what? It's a place of fruits, that's where you grow fruits. Well, so his name links to the land of scandal. Well, Vince Foster, you know, actually Whitewater was not a vineyard land, it was forest land. Vince Foster was linked to that land, he was the legal keeper of that land, just like Naboth was the keeper of the vineyard, and Foster means keeper of the forest, just in the same way. So you have all these eerie things, but it's going to get bigger because all the scandals in the Clinton years they erupt in the into the final, the big one, which is the Lewinsky scandal, and, and in that, that's going to mark his presidency. It's going to actually cause him to be impeached as a president. The Lewinsky scandal. Well, the, 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 an interesting thing because the the fall of Ahab is linked to the tribe of Levi, and in several ways. One, he breaks the Levitical law when he tries to take that land, the Levitical law of inheritance. But also, he ends up, he ends up, his reign comes to an end in the city called Ramoth Gilead, which is the city of the Levites. So from the beginning to the end, the scandal to the end, it's all linked to the tribe of Levi. Could there be a link? That's what the paradigm says. Could there actually be a link, therefore, in the modern day Ahab, with a scandal, with a fall, to the tribe of Levi. Well, the name from the name Levi comes the name Levin. From Levin comes the name Lewin. From Lewin comes the name Lewinsky, as in Monica Lewinsky, as in the Lewinsky 
scandal. The entire scandal is named after the tribe of Levi. The fall of Clinton is linked to the tribe that was linked to the fall of Ahab, Levi. In fact, not only is it just the name, Monica Lewinsky herself was a Levite. She's a child of the Levites and is actually involved in that. She, you know, as Ahab desecrated the law of Levites, well, Monica Lewinsky was desecrated as well in there. So even that, and now when does the scandal, when is the scandal exposed? Well, in the paradigm, the scandal is exposed in the 19th year of Ahab's accession. Since Ahab, when Ahab comes on the national stage, 19th year, his, his, the scandal is exposed. Well, Clinton, okay, what happens if we go to Clinton now? 1979, he comes on the national stage. Add 19 years, and it brings you to the year 1998. What is 1998? 1998 is the year the scandal is exposed. And in fact, he was sworn in in January 1998. So that pinpoints, I mean, sorry, in January 1979, pinpoints January 1998. January 1998 is the exact month that the scandal breaks forth, according to the paradigm. And it even goes further, because, because what happens is, when Elijah, he sees Ahab, and he, he pronounces judgment, Ahab repents, I mean, at least for the time, I and mean, he goes back, but he repents, and God says there, he says, okay, because he repented, I'm not going to bring the, the, the calamity, or I'm not going to bring the end of his reign, now I'm, I'm going to give, there's going to be some time, it's not all going to happen, there's going to be, it's going gonna, gonna to be a delay, basically, and the Bible gives the, the, gives the time period, it says it's three years, three years, so from the moment that the, that that happens, well, well let's first go with the, from the moment that the, the, the scandal is exposed to the end of the king, or the end of his reign, is three years. Well, we know when the Clinton years ended. They ended on January 20th, 2001, with the inauguration. That was it. That was the last day. We know it. January 20th, 2001. So what happens if you go back the three years of the paradigm, or the three years of Ahab, and go back, will it lead you to a scandal? If you go back... It leads you to January 20th, 1998. January 20th, 1998 is the exact day that the scandal of the Clinton years breaks forth as according to the paradigm down to the day. And, and if you, in other words, you take it the other way, that once, just with Ahab, as once the, the scandal is exposed, the king has three years left. Well, it, it, once the scandal is exposed, January 20th, he has exactly three years left to the exact day. But it's going to get even, if you can imagine, even more um, specific and more ominous, because here's the other side of it. I mentioned that the king, it wasn't just that it was exposed, he repented. Well, when it happened with Ahab, you know, it probably happened the same moment. He, he, he repents probably right after Elijah convicted him. But, but did Clinton ever repent? Well, the answer is yes. Not At first he denied the whole thing, you know, for months, months. And then, then finally he had to confess it before a jury, so he confessed it, but he was still angry. No repentance. Until one particular day. Well, the paradigm says when you take from the day of the king's repentance, three at three years, you're going to also have a calamity on the nation. And so here's the thing. If we can find the day that Clinton repented, and we can, and we add three years, what, what will happen? Where will this take us? And this is like, if we were, if we knew the paradigm beforehand, this is where we, it gets, I mean, it gets gigantic. That you could have marked this on a calendar when nobody on earth knew it. And here's the thing. 
if you, the day that he repented was at a White House prayer gathering and be with ministers, and he said, this is my repentance, I've sinned against man and God, and this is, and, and he did, he did. And so take that day, add three years to it, and where does it take you? It brings you to this date. It brings you to September 11th, 2001, to the exact day, the day of the calamity, the day, as the, the paradigm says, from the day of the king's repentance, that three years later will bring you to the day of the calamity on the nation. And, and not only that, when did he repent? Well, he repented in the morning of, of the morning of that. So that means take it three years. It takes you to the morning of September 11th, the time of the calamity. And we know when the White House event began, it was, it began at, the hour was 8.30 is when it began. You take it three years later to the hour, 8.30 is the hour that began 9.11. And when the, the repentance happened, it was between 9 and 10 o'clock, which is, that's, three years later, that is the peak hour of all of the events of 9.11. When did the event end? It ended at 10.30. Now, when was the last, could that possibly contain the whole thing of 9-11? When was the last event of 9-11? It was the fall of the North Tower. When did it take place? It took place at 10.29. And then one minute later was the three-year, the three-year mystery was up. And so, I mean, this is gig- this is like mind-boggling. And yet, here's where, if we had known it, if we had simply known the paradigm, and we'd seen those events, you could have taken out your calendar, and before the CIA knew it, before the before the FBI knew it, before the defense industry knew it, before before Al Qaeda knew it, you could have charted the exact day, and that tells you. And then here's and here's another, you know, here's another um, convergence between the paradigm and the harbinger, because the harbinger, when that ha- when 9/11 kicks in, that's when the harbingers start. You know, so this all, and yet, yet it's all there. I mean, it's the past, present, and future. It's all there, and that tells you how amazing God is, you know, and that everything is in his hands. He is on the throne. What I found amazing, which you just, which you described with respect to, um, for going back to Monica Lewinsky, the Lewinsky scandal, for example, that's on page 83 of the book, folks, by the way, um, in detail. But I, I was amazed and, and, um, I have to tell you, I was digging around. Uh, I'm working on a research project, uh, working on a timeline on uh, some of the Clinton, some aspects of the Clintons. Mm. The okay, and I, I have to say this, I, and I wasn't, I wasn't planning on saying this, but when I when I received your book, I was around that time period, around the um, 98, 99, 2000, 2001 mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. and when I got this. Uh, I immediately began reading it and, and I, I was amazed at how this fit in with my, my research. And, um, I have to say that it, it, eerie, yeah, it, it boy, it, it shows the majesty, the, the marvelous nature of, of our God, I believe. And it, it you can't, you, you can, there's no way you could make this up. I mean, yeah. from, from my, you know, from my investigative point of view, this is, uh, this is verification, and, and the way, and I guess just say one last thing, just the way you sure. lay this out, the way, I I don't know how you do, I really don't know how you do it, but the way you have laid this out is beyond anything I've ever seen before. It's, uh, folks, the book is called The Paradigm, and if you go to theparadigmmystery.com or Amazon, you've got to grab a hold of this book. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn is our guest. Go ahead, sir, continue. This is just so fascinating. I, I don't want to yeah, interrupt and, anymore. And, and no, 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 
please do, please do. And 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 the and the other thing is that, yeah, you brought up a number of things. One is it one, very important. One is that people may find you. So you you were you were led to do research on this, and and there's a reason for that. I mean, and even you know we were talking before that that you know there there are things that people have sensed or they've got they sense this part or that or that, and you know and people not necessarily knowing that this is all connected. It's not just a sense. You're you're onto something, and the fact that and they say, well, yeah, I always had a feeling that this there was something there, and the fact that even there's no coincidence. The fact that you were led to be working on that very thing at that very time. I mean. There's no accidents as well, and God is also even in what we're doing, and you know, even even in that, and that also brought up, you know, that it, this it came to me, you know, how you know, it, it very much like the harbinger came. The harbinger came to me in, um, you know, in a in a, almost like a flood, and it came in, you know, within a, a month to two month period, and so did the paradigm. And I was planning, I was going to do a different book, you know, and I mean, I was thinking my next book will be this book, and I I, I told the publishers, that, I mean, I'm thinking about doing this book, and then all of a sudden it just came, you know, in January and February, it all it all just downloaded. And what I just shared with you, you know, about the the in, in the in the paradigm, it's the you know there, there's it's called the one of the chapters called the day where it all leads up to the exact day not and more the day it leads up to the minute but I didn't even know about that I mean I mean you know when I when I already that came at the end just like with with the harbinger some things came at the end I had no idea of that at all I mean I was seeing all the rest but I didn't know that and nor nor uh, you know all these things I just I just gave you about how it goes to the several things go to these exact days I didn't know that actually came to me in my bed you know I, I was just in my bed and all of a sudden my wife was asleep and it just came to me and I didn't I didn't know that it was and that's how it happened with the harbinger I didn't know that it was the case I didn't know if it was verified I had no idea it just said the, the thing came to me okay you have to search this now because because you know you're gonna you know go and so what I, I got out of bed I went down the hall I got went into the bathroom and took out my laptop computer so not to interrupt anybody just to just to look at that computer in the, in the light of the there and I I started typing and I said oh I cannot I could not believe, it. and what was in my head, what just came to me in my bed, it was all there. That's where I saw all the dates, but I didn't know that, and that I didn't know that initially. That was like at the end, and so it was the same way with the harbinger. It's like the Lord leads us, and we just have to be open, you know. And and there may be people who will find many more things than than you know. I mean, you know, they will once you know having the framework of the of the paradigm. Who knows what also is there, you know? And and so it's. It's all the Lord, and, and as you said, nobody could have put it together, and nobody could have figured. And, and again, I had no idea, you know. And but it's there, it's there, and you can. And there all these things, you know. When, when I when I first wrote the Harbinger, and I, the first one to read it was the lawyer who was not a believer, um, you know, doing the contract. It was a Jewish lawyer, and and she said, she said, you know, I I was going over this manuscript. I, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe what was in there. I couldn't. So so I went to the internet and I, I started investigating it, and it was all there, you know. So so I said, that's good. I said, I hope. Everybody does that. Not only with the harmony, with the paradigm, you'll see it for yourself I mean, between the Bible and what is happening to this day. Amen. Exactly. And I, I, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself or ahead of you. Um, we, we've got about oh, what is it? Well, we've got enough time. We've got about uh, ten minutes or fourteen minutes. Fourteen minutes. Okay. I can't even. I can't even read the clock before the top <laughs> before the top of the hour break. I'm I'm so engrossed in this. Go ahead and continue. Um, sure. Sure. And lay, and lay this out for us. This is so fascinating. Yeah. 
Yeah, what happens is the next part is a chapter called The Shadow Queen. And what happens next is, in the paradigm, is the king's reign, you know, he it, it ends. Obviously, we've just seen it. Ahab's reign comes to an end. And now most people, when they hear about Ahab and Jezebel, they think, okay, you know, Ahab ended and then Jezebel ended. That's what they think. But that's not what happened. What happened is Ahab, and actually this is one of the first triggers that, that you know, where I said, wait a minute. You know, there's a, you know what, I said, wait, what, and, and how long did this all happen? Ahab ended, his reign ends, but Jezebel goes on on the national stage. And, and what happens is she goes on and she just continues to dwell in the halls of power. She continues to dwell in the capital city. She's no longer the queen. She's the former queen or the former first lady. But she's now influencing government kind of from behind the throne. Not on the throne anymore, but she is kind of be- behind it or around it. She's advocating still... As far as we know of Jezebel, she never turned away from her views on child sacrifice and all that. Well, so what happens? What happens with Hillary Clinton? Well, just as Ahab's end, Ahab's reign comes to an end, so Bill Clinton's reign comes to an end. But for the first time in American history, the, the former first lady goes on, just as Jezebel, because she's following that paradigm, she goes on. And she goes on on the political stage. She's not the queen anymore. She's not, she's not the first lady of the land anymore. But she's the she's the, almost like she she's now as Jezebel was dwelling in the halls of power. So among that on the political stage and still influencing the government. So Hillary Clinton continues on, dwells in the halls of power, becomes senator. So she's dwelling in the halls of power. Now, of course, Jezebel didn't have to get elected, but in America, that's what you have to do in order to fulfill the paradigm. So she does, and, and again, totally, you know, championing abortion and all things. And she dwells, as Jezebel dwelt in the capital city, so, so Clinton, Hillary Clinton dwells in the capital city, influencing the government, not with the same, same power, but with a power to influence. Now, Hillary Clinton in 2008 will attempt to win the presidency for herself. Now, on the paradigm, Jezebel doesn't win the throne in, in the time of the paradigm. And so she will not go to her. It will, according to the paradigm, the throne will go to a younger man. And that's going to introduce the next mystery or character in the, in the, in the book or the chapter. He's called the heir. And his name is King Jor, he's Joram or Jehoram. And he's the king, he's the king and he's called the heir because he's the heir of Ahab. He follows in the policies of Ahab. He follows in the policies that have been before. He's a political heir and he's, he's, he, and so he, he, what he does is what Ahab started, he in many ways continues and he, he's a different personality. While Ahab was kind of all over the place, he was hot and cold and one day he repents, the next day he persecutes Elijah. But Joram, and, that, and, and so Bill Clinton was all over the place. That was his personality. But so Joram, well, Joram is going to be the is going to be the mystery of Barack Obama. Barack Obama is going to follow the paradigm of Joram. And so, what does that mean? 
Well, first of all, he's going to be a political heir. He's going to follow the policies that Clinton began. He's going to continue everything from from Hillary Care is going to become Obamacare. Uh, the policy on abortion, he's going to he's going to follow it, can, uh, take it even farther. Uh, policy on gay marriage or or, or the the whole the, you know the whole the whole issue, he's going to follow it and bring it forward. Everything he's the heir, and so he's going to follow that thing. But also, even the personality is in the paradigm because because the personality of Joram. Unlike Ahab, he's a cooler, a cooler personality. When I say cooler, I don't mean hey, that's great. I mean, I mean he's not as expressive. He's he's, but he is he is hostile to God, and his his reign is linked to hostility to God and to man. I mean, God and to and to believers and to the ways of God. And so Barack Obama will have that different personality. His his. His reign will be linked, his policies will be linked to hostility to God, hostility to the Bible, hostility to people of faith. He begins by saying those who cling to their guns and religion. You know, he'll talk about, we, he's the one first president in American history to say, to say that, you know, we are no longer a Christian nation. You know, and again, he does it again and again. He, he edits God out of his, out of, out of the Declaration of Independence. He, he edits continuously and he continuously goes against religious freedom. I mean, he will reject bills defense bills because it has a protection of religious freedom. But it's continuous hostility against God. But not only that, when you when you look at this, you know, Joram wasn't on the throne alone. Joram was on the throne while he was on the throne the former first lady or in the palace was in the palace with him. Jezebel was with Joram in the palace. What does that mean? Therefore, in the paradigm, Barack Obama when he enters the White House, he won't do it alone. He will do it with the former First Lady. Or you've got, and that, by the way, that has never happened in American history, but it's right there in the paradigm. The paradigm is saying it's going to happen. You have the king, a younger man, and an older woman, and they will be together. The former First Lady from another administration is going to be actually in the White House, in the cabinet of another. Well, that's exactly fulfilling where Jezebel was at because and she becomes like a counselor to the king so that's exactly what happens now what about there, there, what, there's a chapter called the days of the air what about it what happens if we do this we take the same criteria that we did with with Bill Clinton and we bring it to Barack Obama so how long was Barack Obama on the national stage well when did it happen? Well, there's no there's no debate about it. It was a clear as clear cut as it could be. Nobody knew about him. No, nobody knew him outside of Chicago, and even many people in Chicago didn't know him up until the year 2004. 2004 is when he was asked to give the keynote speech at the Democratic convention. That one moment changes everything. He's known across the country. He is he is he is uh, called the uh, yeah, the possible presidential contender. Everything changes. So 2000 and it's it's in the summer of 2004 and then a few months later he gets elected to his first first national office. He's a senator. And then in January 2005 he is sworn in. So when does his time in presidency when does it end? Or well, what's his last year? His last year as president is 2016. 2004 to 2016 ends up with 12 years, 12 years. Obama has 12 years given on the national stage, 12 years. In fact, when he um, spoke, now this is as recent as this, as, as maybe a few months before I wrote The Paradigm, when he appeared at the Democratic Convention this past summer, and he 
I mean, in, in the summer of the convention, and he he said first word first words he said of his speech were twelve years ago tonight I stood before you twelve years this is the first words because the day that he stood on the stage was exactly twelve years to the day of the of the event that changed his life so exact twelve years so now we got twelve years of Obama so what happens now if we go back to his ancient prototype. Now, this is now Joram, the one who followed in the footsteps of Ahab. So what happens if we go there and we go to the book of Second Kings, and it's Second Kings 3, verse 1, reads thus. Joram, son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria. His time in the period of years was 12 years. 12 years for Barack Obama. According to the paradigm of Joram, the 12 years of King Joram, exactly as as the 22 years of Clinton conform to the 22 years of Ahab are determined by them, you could say, the 12 years of Barack Obama, they conform to the 12 years of his prototype, Joram. And, I mean, exactly, exactly, and you'll see that each one of these key leaders, they're going to conform to the exact paradigm of their prototype. This is so amazing. And I hope everyone is on the edge of their seats, because you should be. We're talking with Jonathan Kahn, author of The Paradigm, of course, author of The Harbinger, uh, Mysteries of the Shemitah and, and others, of course, such a popular guest, um, and we are so fortunate to have him talking about the paradigm and the level of speci- with the level of specificity that that, that that he is. This is such an engaging book that the twelve years, um, and and you, I I have an admission, you had me going back and forth and, and researching a lot of what you're saying <laughs> just to make sure because I'm thinking, wait yeah. a minute, you know, we're not we're, we're not forcing puzzle pieces in here; um, yeah. they're falling into place. Now we, yeah. it's it's amazing. So we we have about two minutes before the break. Uh, or by the way, are you good to go the the next hour with us? The next yeah, segment, are you yeah, okay with I'm, I'm I'm going good. I'm okay, going well, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Okay, so um, given the fact we got about two minutes left here before the top of the hour, um, go ahead and uh, continue, and then we'll. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, what what we're where we're going to get in the next hour? We're gonna we're gonna everything is going to come to a head. It's going to come. The, the paradigm is going to come to this this war of thrones that's going to happen, and it's going to introduce a new character or a new paradigm, and that is going to be it's, that. In this, you know, you know, so much happened in the last, you know year, two years, you know, everybody was puzzled what's going on, what's happening, you know, and uh, believers, what's happening in the world, what's happening, I mean, to this day, we entered such a, you know, we call a crazy period, a period of chaos, you know, um, and everybody's saying, what's going on, you know, and the paradigm is going to reveal it, and it's going to reveal, the, as we have revealed the mystery of Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, it's going now, we're going to see in the next part, we're going to see, we're going to see the mystery of Donald Trump, and for real, and, and much, much much, much more. I mean, even we'll see the mystery of Osama bin Laden is in here too. Um, and you know, there's something called the, something that happened across the world, the mystery of the temple, that something in the Middle East that links up with a harbinger, and um, and we'll we'll even get into you know touching on the future. What what does it speak of the future? And are we actually the, the one listening right now to the radio? Are they actually in the paradigm? And and much more. 
Man, this is fantastic. Again, our guest, Jonathan Kahn, New York Times bestseller, and I'm sure everyone knows him, of course, uh, spe- speaking before Congress, at Congress, um, uh, the author of The Harbinger Mystery of the Shmita and The Book of Mysteries, Now the Paradigm, which is an incredible look at this template, this uh, this overlay of past into the current events and touching into the perhaps the future and and it's it's it it, to me this brought and i have to say this i'm blessed because i feel blessed as this brought uh brought the uh many of the scripture scriptures used alive to present day events i don't think any other book has done that to the extent that jonathan Kahn's book has uh visit hope of the world.org that's the ministry website for Jonathan Kahn. TheParadigmMystery.com, of course, is where you can watch the trailer and also Amazon to buy the book. And with that, network break, three minutes. Going to be right back. Jonathan Kahn, we're so blessed to have him. Stay right where you're at, folks. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to its creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. 
you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, our very special guest is Jonathan Kahn, New York Times bestseller, uh, a man known all across the world right now, 52 countries checking in with us, listening live right now, which is incredible, as well as many people across the United States and Canada. And I would urge everyone uh, to watch the uh, video trailer of Mr. Kahn's new book. In fact, it was just published September 19th, just last week. Um, <laughs> the paradigm. It, it, it's, it's an amazing book, the ancient blueprint that holds the mystery of our times. And if I can say this for myself, in looking at this, the future as well, perhaps. And uh, Jonathan Kahn's going to be getting into that. But again, the paradigm uh, mystery dot com is the website for the trailer. Of course, it's uh, available on Amazon. But do yourself a favor, in addition to the paradigm, also make sure you've got a copy of The Harbinger next to it, because you're going to be referring back and forth between the books, as well as your Bible, too. But this is so fascinating and so engaging to see current events, really, I mean, through the actual lens of biblical scripture and prophecy. And Jonathan Kahn has done, in my view, a masterful job. If if I were in a courtroom, and, and, and I would I would use this basically as... Uh, all my exhibits and uh, my opening closing arguments uh, to, to the jury, just to just to show, uh, not only is God real, but everything that we're seeing here fits uh, the the paradigm, hence the name. Uh, Mr. Khan, thank you so very much. Uh, you mentioned that you were hospitalized right uh, concurrent with the release of the book, and I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> this, this it's yeah, it's spiritual warfare, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, and in addition to that, your previous books and the catastrophes, the calamities that happened yes. before. <laughs> yes, every uh, single one. Man, I'll tell every, you. Everything. Well, if you're writing another book, uh, <laughs> let me send a security detail to, to keep you safe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, yeah, my, no. wife, my wife said, please don't write any of <laughs> book. Yeah. Um, but it, every single book has had warfare, I mean, gigantic warfare. <clears throat> so much, and every time I've asked, and, and if the people at the current, you know, I, I'm up here <clears throat> by New York, you know, for those, those who know, um, I lead Hope of the World, as you had mentioned. That's the outreach ministry for people to, if they want to get in touch, um, to reach the world, get prophetic updates. I'll be, you know, we send out free messages and all sorts of stuff. That's Hope of the World. It's on the, you know, on the web. It's hopeoftheworld.org. Um, <clears throat> but the, the, the congregation is, 
is Beth Israel or the worship or the Jerusalem Center. That's it's about 20 minutes from New York City. And I told everybody before this happened. I mean, I said, everybody, okay, you know, you got to take stations of prayer because we don't know what's going to happen. But and I hope I hope we break the pattern this time. I hope nothing happens. But just don't be surprised if something does. And then, sure enough, on the exact day of the release, you know, um, I'm in the hospital for the, I mean, I've never had surgery in my life, you know, and my appendix ruptured. I mean, it was actually life-threatening. Um, but, but because of what happened in the past, I knew, okay, I better take this seriously, you know, and, you know, God always wins. And, you know, when the enemy comes against you, you know, I'm saying this to everybody here as encouragement, you know, well, if you're in God's will and the enemy's, and everything's going crazy, you know, well, be encouraged because it, it's a sign of, of how big it is because the enemy's not going to waste his time. He knows there's something big coming from God, and that's happened with every single book I've done. And, you know, with this one, I'll just give you an old example. When the Harbinger, I mentioned the, the hurricane that swept in our entire building, but nothing stopped it. You know, in the end, I mean, we, we you know, we were on the road for a little while, but that was it. But the thing is that, the other thing is that when the Harbinger, the message of the Harbinger started coming to me at the beginning, and I was, I started sharing it. The first, the first time I shared these messages are at the congregation is at Beth Israel Jerusalem Center. And so when I, when I started sharing it, and I didn't know what was going to happen with the Harbinger. I mean, it wasn't a book. I wasn't even thinking about a book. It's just the revelations were coming. So I shared it, and all hell broke loose. And the, the town and the landlord got together and decided they're going to destroy our building. Now, we were renting it for 15 years. It's basically like a department store. And they said they're going to destroy it. So, so well, well uh, the thing is... They did destroy it, but God did an amazing thing, and he got us a place three times bigger. But what they built over the place where I first shared the harbinger, it was like spirit, it was like, as if the enemy knew, you know, that this is gonna, this thing is going to go forth. I mean, you know, you can take all these things as encouragement, that this word is going to go forth, and, you know, and so I'm going to stop it right here. Stop the whole, it, almost, it, it seemed like he was going to stop the ministry. We had no place to go until the last day, you know, and so... But what happened to that place? It, they they destroyed it, and in its place, they put up a Walmart. Now, Walmart has a book department. In the book, they don't carry many books, but one of the books they carry is the Harbinger. So on the same <laughs> ground, on the same ground where I preach, first preached the Harbinger, the Harbinger is going forth at Walmart to the to the world. The, the enemy Amazing. cannot win if you don't stop. If you don't keep, if you just keep going. You're, that's it. You, you know. And so these things encourage me, even though they're not easy. They encourage me. And um, and I, and here it is again. I told I told you before. This is the first interview anybody's going to hear since the since the book was released. Because when the book was released, uh, the day before I was on the Seven Hundred Club, and but but then I and then that night it was coast to coast, and then. The day of the release, I couldn't do anything. Um, I'm, I'm in the hospital. The whole, all the all that was planned for that week canceled. There was nothing. I'm in the hospital. But apparently, the book didn't need me because, and God doesn't need me. You know, because what happened was, it ended up when it charted. It was of, of all books in the world, by God's grace, the paradigm charted as number four of all the books on earth. I mean, so wow. it was. It, I mean, which crazy, crazy. I mean, in fact, it's the strongest ever. I mean, even it's stronger than the Harbinger. I mean, it, it's it, we never saw anything like this. So God doesn't need me to, to, to do His work, you know. But by His grace, He uses uh-huh. me. So nothing's going to stop the work of God in your life if you just you just if you don't stop, just keep going. And, and when it gets testament, it, yeah, it, 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 
Yeah. Wow. Go ahead. No, I, I, I it, it's just it's so great to hear you say that because I know people can relate to that when things get really nuts, crazy, and and you feel like everything's the ceiling's coming down on top of your head. In, in your case, in your building, uh, literally, you know, with respect to the uh, uh, the, the harbinger, uh, yeah, know that you're over the target. Know that you're that, that you're doing right. And thank you for those words of encouragement. My goodness. Uh, oh yeah, it was, absolutely. I mean, I've seen it through my whole my whole life, my whole life. I mean, oh, and, and so don't you know? I mean, the the greatest things happen right after that battle, but you got to stick through it. You got to stick through it. You know, and um, if, if it's okay, I know we're gonna we're gonna move forward. Go, go ahead. To, let's, but let's, but let's uh, if it's okay yep. to also say that that if people also want to get in touch, I mean, I mentioned that you know, I mean, and you mentioned it graciously. I appreciate it um, with hope of the world. Um, but also there there are people, and I don't I don't even know how it all works, but it's Facebook, uh, Jonathan Khan, and we try to keep everything updated, even like what's happening right now, things I just shared with you, but also prophetic things and all that. So that's all there, too. So, yeah. So thank you for all. And I'm blessed, and I mean this, you know, you're very gracious, but also I'm blessed, to, always blessed to do your, your program for, for, you know, a few reasons. But one is, again, people are going to get detail that they're not going to get at, at most programs because of the ability to, you know, the platform of, of the time to do this. So I'm really blessed by that. And the other thing is, you know, your, your spirit and your heart and your, is, is humble and just open to God and just lifting a God lifting, you know, in every way. And so it's always a blessing, you know, a blessing. So very special because of the day that this is right now, but it's always a special blessing for me to do your show. Well, well, thank you. That means a lot to us. You mean a lot to us, and we're so uh, praise God that you that, that you're well on the road to recovery. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Co- Mr. Con. Continue wherever you yes. want to start. Go yes. for it. And uh, okay. by the way, we're we're, we're going to skip the bottom of the hour break too. So you've got the the floor right to the top of the hour. At which point oh, uh, you can get some rest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so all right. So now, if people have been listening, by the way, and, and I was blessed to you, you, you talked about um, those who are listening from from beyond America, um, because this does, I will tell you, this does affect you in everything. Obviously, what happened in these events have affected the entire world, but it's also the as I, sh- I opened up at the beginning, speaking about the macro um, or the big um, uh, paradigm, and that is affecting that's the entire West and and also affecting the entire world. So no matter where you live. The both things, the the overall picture has been affecting you and will affect you, and the specifics of this will affect you and have. And so, I mean, obviously, as we're going to see now, because this is going to the paradigm is going to take us right up to where we are right now. And the here's here's where we are to set the stage. We 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 left off, and of course, I can't review it all, but but it's all there. But the we were there with the reign of the man called Joram. And Joram is, while Joram is on the throne, this is the house of Ahab, this is, this is continuing, continuing a war against God. You have also Jezebel continuing as well. And so they are continuing together. Now, um, and we, we've, we've taken that and we've looked in the modern, modern picture and we saw how the paradigm of Barack Obama follows the, or Barack Obama follows the paradigm of Joram. And to, and Hillary Clinton is following the the, the paradigm of of Queen Jezebel, and there they are. That's what you have now. Kind of the prospects. Of, if, if nothing changes in in ancient Israel, this is where it's going. It looks like there's no way to stop this fall, you know, in any way. And if the House of Ahab continues on the throne, it's going to wipe away uh, religious freedom. 
It's going to wipe away uh, the, the the people of God. It's going to it's going to seal the nation in its apostasy to Baal, um, and and it's going to be over basically. And so it's at a very key juncture because and and so too this is exactly where we were, where America was, where the West was, where that that if there was another government led in the way that these have been, in a sense of the house of Ahab, following these things, the apostasy of America, championing it, abortion, all these things, you know, um, sexual immorality, the Supreme Court would have been sealed, you know, the, the, the future of our children would have been sealed, would have, it would have taken away, it would have it was stamped out religious liberty, and we're, by the way, we're still in danger of that, but that would have done it. If that election went the other way, and we all knew it, I mean, most believers were kind of praying, you know, or getting ready for that. Um, so that's where we were in this last election. And so, and it looked for sure that Hillary Clinton was going to win. Well, the paradigm said something else. And in the paradigm, there comes a new figure on the stage. And the new figure is called, and is in the chapter called, the warrior. And what happens is, the prophet, actually remember Elijah was told to anoint some people, but we don't know that he ever did. But, I mean, we know he anointed Elijah, but the others, but, but the, one of the people he was told to anoint is now going to come into the picture. Only now. And Elisha is going to cause him to be anointed. And basically what happens is, you can read this in the book of, in the book of Second Kings, Elisha sends one of the prophets, a young prophet, to an army camp and tells him, you know, go there and find the man who is called Jehu. And Jehu, he's one of the commanders there, and Jehu, you're going to go to him, and you're going to tell, take him alone, and you're going to tell him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, you are anointed to become the king of Israel. And also, by the way, to war against the house of Ahab. And so the, the prophet goes there, and he says, "Who? you know, I have a message for you, and Jehu says, for who, which one? He says, for you, commander. Takes him, takes him alone, in the, tells him the message, gives him the prophecy. They're anointed. Now remember, you know, Jehu, there's a king on the throne, so this is this is treason, you know, and and so it were in, in earthly ways. And so, so it is, he he says the word to him that he's actually under Joram, and he then pours oil on his head, anoints him for the throne, and then and then. As according as instructed by Elisha, the the, the young prophet it, it, it takes off as fast as he can and runs. So now, this is the new character, the new paradigm. Who is Jehu? Who is Jehu? Jehu is not a politician. He is a fighter. He is not a gentleman. He is a rough man. Um, he is coarse. He is wild. He is. Um, he is. Uh, not someone who's been following the Lord. He is, he's actually wild. Sometimes he seems out of control. Um, he, he also, uh, he's, he can sometimes appear reckless or uh, boastful. Well, <clears throat> I almost don't even have to say anything, but I'm going to say it. So here we have the paradigm of, of the warrior, or Jehu. So what happens as America is at this point where it looks like it's it, Suddenly, this man arises out of—I mean, out of the blue. It seems um, nobody expects what happens. Just like with Jehu, he's going to come out. It's going to come like a storm on the national stage, and it's going to throw everything into chaos. So Donald Trump arises on the national stage, and Donald Trump—the mystery of Donald Trump—is the is the paradigm of Jehu. Jehu, 
He is going to be exactly this, as Jehu was not a politician, Donald Trump was not a politician, as Jehu was, was a fighter, Donald Trump is a fighter, fights with everybody. I'm sure if, if Jehu could have had a Twitter account, he would have been using it. So, and the, the, here we have, we have, you know, the, a man who is not, who is coarse, who is not gentle, well, Donald Trump. Um, a man who is wild, a man who sometimes appears out of control at times, um, who is, who can be boastful, who was not serving the Lord initially, and who, um, is at the same time, He's going to be used. He's going to be anointed for the purposes of God, despite himself. And for the purposes, and the paradigm is going to reveal what, why this has happened. <clears throat> because it has to do with the house of Ahab. Because Jehu is called to, to war against, to defeat the house of Ahab. And so even though he's unlikely, and people say, well, you know, you know, is Donald Trump, has he lived a godly life? Absolutely not. But has he has he embodied Christian virtues? Absolutely not. But can God use those who have not known him or served him to be used of him? Absolutely, yes, he does it all the time. And that, that's, that's part of God's sovereignty. So here comes the rising of Donald Trump, and then what happens, what happens now is when he hears that prophecy, Jehu, and by the way, Donald Trump is probably... You know, despite, I mean, it would seem totally crazy, but he is probably, was probably the most anointed pro- prophesied over candidate in the history of America. I mean, just Christians just kept prophesying over him, just, just like this guy, just like in the paradigm, prophesied over Jehu. And so he rises up, and he takes up a chariot and begins a race to the throne. So Donald Trump, now in the paradigm, is going to rise up and begin a race to the throne or to the American throne, which is the White House. And when he, he begins this race, what happens is the, the Bible actually, or the paradigm, is actually going to describe it. It's going to describe everything we just went through. And amazingly, it's going to do it. Because as he's racing, the watchman sees him coming, doesn't know it's Jehu, but says, well, the driving of the chariot is like the driving of Jehu, for he driveth furiously. Well, how, how does Jehu drive? Furiously. How does Donald Trump lead his race? Furiously. The word in Hebrew is shageh, which also means crazily. He drives crazy. Now, if you had to come up with one word to describe the campaign of Donald Trump, the word was crazy. And everybody was saying, this is crazy. It never happened crazy. It looks like it's out of control. But that's what the Hebrew means. And some Bibles say crazy. Some say drives like a madman. I mean, I mean all these things, that's exactly what we witnessed. And yet, even though it's all crazy... Yet, Jehu is going to still accomplish that will. And, and the thing about, and some people, some commentaries, when they talk about Jehu, and just to understand the mystery of Donald Trump, they'll say, well, you know, you know well, Jehu was such, you know, he had so, so many contradictions, you know. But the question is, would have a gentler man have been able to do what Jehu did regarding the house of Ahab? Jehu is anointed to be a sword to the house of Ahab, to stop what was about to happen. And the means are wild, the means are questionable, but nevertheless, it fulfills the pattern. God uses everything. So he is now, we're at a point where Jehu is racing to the throne, and we've all just been through this, this crazy race and leading to where we are right now. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this forward, but let me, let me take a moment.
because to, to, I didn't mention something else, and this is an, another of the mysteries, in, you know, in the paradigm that that goes beyond, you know, what happened in America. It goes to a, a, a figure who's not American at all, and that is in the chapters called the Nemesis, and another chapter called the Assassin or the Assassination, um, and that is that in the days of Ahab, a man arises on the scene who's going to become an arch enemy of the nation. And he's going to threaten the nation. He's going to threaten to invade the nation. He's going to threaten to bring to bring destruction on the nation. Well, what does that mean? The paradigm, what that means is that in the days of the Ahab of the paradigm, though, well, that's Bill Clinton. So in the, during the Clinton years, a man will rise to power who will become an arch enemy of America, who will threaten America, who will threaten to bring harm to destruction. And who is that? In the days of Clinton, actually, they, they rose together. When Clinton rose to the presidency, Osama bin Laden rose to his first act of terrorism. So they, they go parallel. And in the latter days of the Clinton administration, just like in the latter days of Ahab, this guy gets stronger or, or more dangerous. In the latter days of the Clinton presidency, bin Laden gets more dangerous, more threatening to America. Now, interesting, because if you read the, the paradigm in the Book of Kings, you'll find out that God actually delivered, Ahab delivered this, this ancient nemesis, his name was Ben-Hadad, delivered him into the hands of Ahab. But Ahab lets him go. And God says, you're going to be judged for that because this is going to bring destruction on your land. Well, what did that ever happen? Well, it actually happened in America that, that Clinton actually had... Osama bin Laden, in his, uh, he was, he was, he could have killed him, taken him out, and he refused to do it. And I'm not going into why, but he said, he said, I'm not doing it. And and it actually, the 9/11 Commission found out it happened nine times. So even in this, the paradigm was fulfilled that Clinton fulfilled the paradigm of Ahab by releasing or letting bin Laden go nine times that would result in destruction of the land. And by the way, the paradigm actually gives, I don't want to go into it, gives the parameters of the name of Bin Laden. Because the ancient nemesis basically has the has the same letters, the same meaning, the same thing, the same, all that. And and so, I'm not going to go into that, but so, so Bin Laden brings destruction on America. Now, what happens to Bin Laden after that? becomes the greatest manhunt in the history of the world, you know, and though everybody's searching, America's searching, defense searching, you know, CIA is searching, the, the, the international police agencies are searching all over the world, and they find nothing for years. It grows dead. The, the trail grows cold. Nobody knows what happened, but the paradigm reveals it all. The paradigm reveals that bin Laden, or the nemesis, is going to be assassinated. And it gives actually gives the way he's going to be assassinated. He's going to, according to the paradigm, according to how the ancient prototype nemesis, the the arch was was killed. That while the the arch enemy, while the nemesis lies in his bed, the assassination is going to begin. Well, Osama bin Laden was lying in his bed when the when the helicopters descended on that compound, and then according to the paradigm, it's. He's going to be assassinated in, he's going to be executed in his bedroom. Well, Osama bin Laden is executed in his bedroom. And actually, I won't even go into this part, but, but the paradigm says that it's going to be through the, the, that, that the nemesis will not 
have been able to leave his his residence, so he, he uses a courier. And through the courier, he's going to be killed. Well, through bin Laden's courier, that's how he was killed. So, so even the way of the assassination is in the paradigm. But it goes further than that. That because the even though people were expecting you know Bin Laden to be killed a lot earlier, the paradigm gave the exact time when he'd be killed. It because because it says that that he was killed ten years after the the he brought calamity on the land. Well, when did Bin Laden bring calamity? Two thousand one. Add the ten years of the paradigm takes you to two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven, the year of the assassination of Ben Laden, the nemesis. So even that, it's not just American presidents, it's everybody. As explained, by the way, on page 139 of Jonathan Kahn's book, The Paradigm, uh, the ancient blueprint that holds the mystery of our times. And when I read that, I, as if I needed more, I didn't need more, but my goodness. The, again, the words jumped off the page, and the preceding pages um, get into very specifics that when you when you look at it in the context as Jonathan Kahn just described, you're gonna you're gonna be blown away. And, and I would urge everyone once again uh, to visit theparadigmmystery.com, purchase the book, purchase the book on Amazon, wherever. Well, let's make this go to number one for a long time because <laughs> what's in here, okay, it, what's in here is uh, to to me that the the, the um, it, You've exhibited, and, and exquisitely so, the fingerprint, uh, the fingerprint of God on our existence and, and our the times in which we live, and you've done it so well. I, I it's it's just beyond. I, I can't even. It's just it's it's incredible. Go ahead and continue, sir. Yeah, and thank you. And and the and, and to say something, you know, we'll, we'll we'll hopefully get into it. But there is a paradigm for every life as well, and 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 a good one. And we'll 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 get to that. And also, there's a paradigm for how we are to live at this exact time. In the paradigm itself, there's a paradigm that tells you how, as believers, what are the keys we need to know for the times or the days of the paradigm, and, and we'll touch on that. Uh, so, yeah, so now back to the warrior. So the warrior now is 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 in his race, and Donald Trump is in his race. Now, now it comes down to, it's going to come down to two figures, this is going to be a showdown, and the two figures are. And it's actually very famous in our in our Sunday schools and all that. And you know, we we people have an idea of this, but it's amazing how now we look how this plays out. It's going to come down to a showdown between the warrior on one side, Jehu, and Jezebel, the former first lady, on the other hand. So, what is this all going to come down to? It's going to come down to. Hillary, what is the paradigm ordaining? That that the warrior, Donald Trump, is going to come head-to-head with the former first lady, Hillary Clinton. And that's exactly, exactly what happens. And and one note, too, on the and he, they're going to come face-to-face in the city of Jezreel. And one note about this is that that when Jehu is, is approaching the city of, of Jezreel, he reveals something that's very striking. He reveals that he was there on the day that Elijah 
spoke the prophecy to Ahab in the vineyard of the skin. That's why that vineyard is so important. And remember, in the paradigm, that vineyard is giving the time period of all these events, including 9-11. But in that vineyard was Elijah, and he gave that prophecy of Ahab's judgment, and Jehu was there. And, and the prophecy wasn't just about Ahab's judgment. It was about the judgment of his house. So, in other words, Ahab's going to die, but then, or his reign is going to end, but then later on there's going to be a downfall of, the, of his house. So you could take that as House of Clinton. Clinton's reign ends, but later on there's going to be the, the fall of the House of Clinton and, and the fall of Jezebel. And it's all going to happen together, and it's all going to happen linked to this man who is the warrior. So he reveals that, and now how was he there? How was, how was Jehu at that vineyard with Ahab? Well, what it's revealing is that Ahab and that Jehu knew Ahab, and Ahab and Jezebel, about Ahab and Jehu here, they were actually, they were acquaintances. Well, even this part of the paradigm is there. D- Donald Trump was an acquaintance of Bill Clinton. That's what it, of at Hillary. Just as as Jehu was a, was an acquaintance of of, Je, of Jezebel and, a, and Ahab, same exact way. And they used to be friends. And and uh, that means that that Jehu was actually serving the wrong side. And Donald Trump was on the wrong side. He was on the wrong side of morality. He was on the wrong side of sexual morality. And he was on the nothing about this. Jehu it meant that if he was serving Ahab that he was serving the kingdom of Baal, and that's the kingdom of child sacrifice. He was enforcing it, the worship of Baal and child sacrifice. Well, what was Donald Trump? Even that fits the paradigm. Donald Trump originally was, was for abortion. Which is, which is the link to the worship of Baal, just as Jehu was Ahab's man and was for the, the offering of children. So, but then, then Jehu repents or he turns and he realizes it and then he opposes what he once supported. He now, and that's exactly what happened with Donald Trump. And by the way, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the motives are. It doesn't matter what the reasons are behind it. That's not how the paradigm works, and that's not, that's not how prophetic paradigms work. The fact is, it, however it happened, Donald Trump went from being for the offering up or the killing of unborn children to the defense of unborn children, just as Jehu went from for the worship of Baal, child sacrifice, to against child sacrifice. So all that's taking place, and so that's revealed. So now it comes to a showdown. And so you have the warrior versus the former first lady. And by the way, interesting, too, is that on the way to this showdown, Jehu is going to actually mention the scandal of Ahab in the vineyard. And so interesting, even this is going to seem crazy, but even this, Trump will actually, like like Jehu, will actually mention the scandal of Clinton, of Ahab, and you know, of the of Bill Clinton. He'll mention, you know, the, the same parallel. It'll happen all together. So they come face to face. So now we have a showdown. And by the way, as they do that, you know, Jehu's going to confront Jezebel. Well, when Donald Trump, it means that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are going to come face to face before the nation, before the world. And so they did the presidential debates. And during the last debate, Trump actually confronts. Hillary Clinton over the issue of abortion and partial birth abortion. And Hillary Clinton, just as you remember, Jezebel's issue was the killing of, was the offering of children. And that has been Hillary Clinton's issue. And, and so, 
you know, Jay who comes against this, and now Trump is against this, and yet Hillary Clinton defends it, you know, to the air. So you got this classic showdown. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't say this. You know, the very first words that Hillary Clinton ever spoke, I mean, you know, in her campaign, once she announced her candidacy, which was by videotape, so there's no speech, but then her first speech she ever gave, the first speech she ever gave in her campaign, she made an amazing statement. She said this, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking it word for word, I'm putting in some dots, so I'm connecting it here. She said, deep-seated religious beliefs have to be changed. Now, I don't know if we understand that we get the, 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 the magnitude of this. Never in the history of American presidential politics has ever any major candidate ever made such a statement saying that deep-seated religious beliefs, like our belief in the Bible, has to be changed. Why was she saying that? So that abortion could expand. Now, now, now I, I cannot conceive, I cannot imagine a more Jezebelian statement than that. I mean, I cannot even, I cannot, what, what was Jezebel saying? Jezebel's whole battle was that deep-seated religious beliefs of Israel have to be changed. Why? So Baal worship, which is the offering of children, could, ex- could expand. That's exactly it. So at the very beginning of her candidacy, she makes the most Jezebelian statement that has ever been made in the history of American politics. I mean, amazing. And I'm not saying she knows what she's doing, but that's what takes place. So we come to the showdown. Now, if you remember, every every major poll was saying that Hillary Clinton was going to be the new president. She's going to trounce Trump. She's going to wipe him away, basically. And it's it, that's it. There's no There's no hope. It's... If you remember every single major poll, yet the paradigm said something else. The paradigm says, and now, now again, I didn't know the paradigm just before that. It was after, but it is all there, clearly there. When the warrior meets the former first lady, when Jehu meets Jezebel, when Trump meets Clinton, the warrior will defeat the former first lady. Jezebel will, it'll be her downfall. And that's exactly what takes place. The paradigm ordains, and this is the, this is an example of the paradigm, ordaining the outcome of American elections when every, every, every poll was saying, every major poll was saying the opposite. It was saying that Trump was going to win. He had to win because Jehu had to win. It was not that way. When you have that confrontation, Jezebel cannot win. And so that is exactly what happened. And, and actually, if you remember, what, how, how did it happen? And, it, and it's a it's a violent end, and we have to thank God that there's not our elections aren't violent. And we have to again pray for everybody, pray that they repent, pray that they get saved. But the, but what happens there is that Jezebel's looking out the window. She she sees Jehu coming. She speaks to him with contempt, and Jehu, and Jehu just says, "Throw her down." Um, and so the so she's thrown down to her end. And but before that happens, she does a strange thing that that a lot of people don't know what to make of it. It says when when Jezebel saw Jehu coming, she put on her makeup and she adorned her head, adorned her hair. And people think that well, she's trying to seduce him, and that's unlikely. First of all, Jehu, first of all, Jezebel is a grandmother at this point, just as Hillary Clinton was. But but here. 
here what what it what she's doing is she's 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 dressing herself up as a queen. She's showing defiance. And when it says adorns her head, most likely that's she's putting on a crown or putting on a garland or a crown. And and so it, she is. And, and the way you the the word for that is coronation. When you put on a crown, it's a coronation. Well, interesting because if you remember remember that election night. What they what what Hillary Clinton did is she was preparing for her own coronation, and you look at the articles that'll say that you know her own coronation, and it says it goes from and, and she had a glass ceiling that's supposed to come down. There was supposed to be fireworks over New York City and all this, and it was the coronation, and mm-hmm. and even the even the media used the word it's a coronation. Well, it, it goes in the paradigm it goes from coronation to downfall. So it was with with Hillary Clinton from coronation sure victory it goes to defeat and where does it all fit where where is where is Jehu where are Jehu and and Jezebel on the day of the defeat and the victory on the day of the showdown where are they both well they are in the capital they were actually they're not in the capital city they're not in Washington they're in the nation's chief northeastern city New York well that's really ever happens in presidential history. But what happened? What happens in the paradigm? Where is Jezebel and Jehu? They are in Jezreel. Jezreel is the nation's chief northeastern city. So even that is part of the paradigm. And yeah. and here now, what now? Now what? When this happens here now? And here's another thing about timing. What does the paradigm actually give the timing of when this showdown is going to take place? It does. According to the paradigm, the showdown is going to take place in the 12th year of King Joram. Well, we already identified that. What is the 12th year of Obama from the time of his his entering the national stage, 2004? It pinpoints the year 2016. 2016 pinpoints the year of the showdown exactly to the year. And the other thing is that, that there's a chapter in the book called The Days of the Queen. And in that, you know, he gives how many years was was Jezebel on the national stage? How many years? Well, well, it's divided into two parts. One is with her husband. One is without. With her husband. Uh, well, actually, before I go into Jezebel, Hillary. Let's do Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton comes onto the national stage same time as her husband in 1979, first lady of Arkansas to the first lady uh, as of America until the end. So that's 1979 to 2001. That's 22 years. And so how many years was Jezebel on the stage with her husband? 22 years. How many years was Hillary Clinton on the national stage after her husband, her so- going solo? The answer is, first, it was 12 years, senator and secretary of state. Then she retires from public life and then for two years. Then two years later, she comes back, announces her president, her candidacy. She's back for, tw- for two years. So altogether, a period of 14 years. 14 years. How many years was Jezebel on the stage alone? 14 years. Hillary Clinton will follow the years of Jezebel down to the exact year, even 22 years with her husband, 14 years, Jezebel, 22 years. And it even breaks down more than that, but I'm not going to go through that. So, so that's, that's all in the the chapter called the, the days of the queen. Now, what happens now? Because we're going to take us to where we are. What happens is that the well, actually, you know, let me take a break for a second. Let me let me give you a chance. Go, go ahead. 
Well, no, this is, I gotta tell you, both Joe and I are, are sitting here just engaged in this. Um, and again, for those joining us, we're, we're talking with Jonathan Kahn, um, his, his book. Take a look at this, uh, folks, right here. It's called The Paradigm. Um, it's a fantastic read. It is incredible. It speaks to, uh, everything that uh, has happened up to this point. And, and I would say it's, I don't want to say a sequel, but a companion to, uh, the, the, his, uh, uh, the Harbinger. I would, I would read both in tandem with each other just because they, they fit so well together. And we, we're so thankful, so blessed, Joe, to have Jonathan Kahn with us. Absolutely. I, yeah. And dad, I don't know where you've been hiding that book, but, um, oh, I'd, I'd like to read it. Renee and I, my wife and I have been like, you know, wrestling with you. No, it's, and, it's, it's, it's been with us. And, and, uh, folks out in the audience, if you have not seen, Jonathan Kahn's address to the UN. Oh, fabulous. I mean, you talk about a tearjerker. You talk about a powerful spiritual sermon delivered at some of the most uh, Luciferian, corrupt institutions. In the belly It'll of the bring beast. Tears so to, speak. to your eyes, folks. Yeah. If you watch that, if you have not seen it, Jonathan, uh, you, you did it. You did a fantastic job. I can't wait to read this book. It's so interesting looking at all these notes here. And to think the way that you broke down the election, uh, you know, with the warrior, with the queen. Um, oh, and it gets better. It, it, uh, oh, I know. And it, it gets just better. fits so perfectly. Uh, I love it. The one thing I do have a question about is with Osama bin Laden. Um, but it does fit in with the assassination. Many people have speculated that he died several times before that raid, all the way going back to 2001 in Afghanistan. Uh, while on dialysis, but um, the official story is that he was killed in a raid in Pakistan um, at his home, which fits exactly to what you were writing about. Yeah, I don't think yeah, it matters. Yeah. I think it's a perception, but but uh, yeah, you know, this, yeah, yeah, and, and that's tr- and that's true too. I mean, there, there, although you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, it all fits. There, there are certain things. And I'm not saying this this was you know a, a appearance, but there are certain things that you know, like with we were talking earlier about the. The vineyard of Naboth, which are appearance, meaning that you know, it's not saying that the Clintons, you know, there, there's speculation about the same Vince Foster, and, and it's always been. But regard, it, it, it's almost regardless because the it's all there. You know, it it, it it's still it's in 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 prophetic um, in prophetic uh, uh, prophecy or, or or prophetic symbolism. Things can be linked together sometimes, and, and I actually explained this at the beginning of how things happen in prophetic symbolism. Sometimes it could be, seem to be by appearance, but that's all part of it as well. You know, the name we said Lewinsky, and, you know, and that it actually goes back to the tribe of Levi, which is linked to the fall of Ahab. I mean, you know, how do you put that together? You know, but you know, even the name, you know, and 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 Bin Laden, you know, uh, one, one, I, I didn't, you know, I just alluded to it, but you know, the, the according to the paradigm. The ancient, you know, the, the, the nemesis will. It actually spells out, you know, the the key name to him. It gives the it gives how many letters you translate this in the the ancient one and the ancient enemy, and you translate him into English. It's the exact same letter pattern, and it's the exact same name. Their first name is is both Bin or Ben, and and they it both mean it means son of I mean, the same exact thing. All those things are there, and and how how do you you know the, the other this the other thing about this? How do you Put all this together. I mean, you know, you know, in the ancient case, I mean, how, why, why was you know Ahab, ancient king, there for twenty-two years because his father got killed and then he got killed. You know, well, 
Bill Clinton had nothing to do with that. I mean, it has nothing to do with, you know, assassination. It, it's election and then this election and then there's this scandal. And then, it, then he decides not to run here, but to run here. But it all works out exactly down, as we saw in case to the day, in times to the hour, because it's God. This is the mystery of God. You know, you know, when you look at even one, pro- how can one prophecy in the Bible come true? I mean, you know, God has to work every single event together, you know, and that's how it happens. That's how, you know, amazing, amazing God is, you know. And so, so where we, where we were is we have the defeat of the fall of Jezebel, and we have the rise of the warrior. And so now, the warrior is going to set his sights on the capital city. Now, now he's in he's in the northeast city, so Trump's in New York. And set his, you know, so he's got to go to the Samaria. He's got to go to the capital city in order to take the throne. Otherwise, he can't take it. So even though he's won the battle, he's got to go there. So Trump sets his sight now on the capital city. And so Jehu is now is going to go down there, and he's going to have one agenda in the capital city. And what is the agenda of Jehu? It is to, in three words, or uh, or four words, to drain the swamp. That is why Jehu goes to the capital. You can read the story yourself. It's to drain, drain the swamp. It's to take, it's to, it's to, it's to rid, rid the capital of the priests of Baal and the followers of Ahab. So he's going to do that. And, and, but on his way to, to taking power, he he meets a man, and this chapter is called the Holy Man, and his name is Jehonadab, and he's a man of mystery. Nobody kind of knows exactly who he was. I mean, we know about him later, but there are things that are said. But he's kind of comes out of the blue, and he's a holy man. That's what we know. And and he, the and the warrior Jehu says basically, "Are you with me? I'm with you. Are you with me?" And the man Jehonadab, the holy man, says, "I am with you." And then so so Jehu stretches out his hand, his hand says, "Come with me, join me on the chariot." So you got this strange picture. You got a picture of the warrior and all, next to a holy man, and they are heading out. You know the, the you know to the now they're riding together in their race in the campaign to the capital city. Well, amazing because because when you read the commentaries and they say who was this man, Jehonadab, the, the, the commentaries will say he represents. The religious conservatives of the land. The re- so, in other words, what does the paradigm say? That on the way, on his race to the throne, to the palace, the warrior will have meetings or will meet with the religious conservatives, the religious conservative leaders, which is exactly what Trump did. And then he will say, I'm with you, and that's exactly what Trump did. I'm with you guys. I'm with you Christians. I'll, I'll protect you. I'll, I'll, I'll fight for you. Are you with me? And then they will, at that point, they will join with him and say, okay, we are. Knowing, you know, and and Jonadab, this holy man, he knew the house of Ahab, and he knew what the alternative was. So believers were struggling with this, but most believers came to the conclusion that, listen, it's either this or that. And, And so that's exactly what happened. And Trump would not be president if it wasn't for Christians. But even that, even they are in the paradigm. And even, you know, when you take it, when you look at it, Trump actually... Made a made a, an alliance with one particular man who was Mike Pence. Mike Pence is a born again Christian, and he's actually very much like this guy Jehonadab, who the Bible says he abstained from alcohol, he abstained from this, and that's exactly what that that's exactly what happened. The the, the, the I said Trump, I mean Jehu rides into the Capitol with a holy man with a with a believer, and so Trump 
entered Washington, D.C. with believers and with a believer with him. And, and with, in fact, there were more prayers said, spoken, prayed at his inauguration, you know, at, at the ceremony, than any other president in the history of America, as far as we know. I mean, amazing. But that's the paradigm. And when, when, when Jehu gets to the capital city, when he gets there, the, the, the capital is divided. The house of Ahab. I mean, I mean, they, they, it's being dealt with. But but you have the old and the new. You have Baal worship, and you have all, and you have the whole nations about it. Well, when Trump comes to Washington D.C., it's it's a, a war zone. It, it's polarized. America is polarized. And he, and here's something. You know, who are the who are the ones who'd be most against Jehu? Well, number one, those who are the worshippers of Baal. Well, that in modern day language, that is the abortion industry. Well, they were the great. They are the ones who funded Hillary Clinton. They're the ones who 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 campaigned most against Trump. But interesting because because Jehu also we know this in the Bible. He speaks of witchcraft and he 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 speaks of coming against witchcraft. And so he has a war against witchcraft because he's war against Baal and paganism and all that. And so he wars against witchcraft. So you got you got Jehu on one side, you got the witches on the other. Well, amazing, even this, because at when Trump became president, all across America and all across the world, there were gatherings under the moon of witches, just like the war. It was the war of Jehu and the witches. And what were the witches doing? They were casting spells against Donald Trump. The same exact thing, the war of Jehu and the witches, even that is there in the paradigm. And so what happens now when the when he gets there, and the chapter's called The Warrior King, he gets there. Well, the, well, the first thing Jehu does when he gets to the capital is he destroys the temple of Baal that had been standing in the capital city was actually built by Ahab. So that goes back to Clinton. Clinton was the first president to make the government an, of, an agent, a vessel, or a temple of, of child sacrifice. He, he converted Washington. Washington became the center of advocacy for abortion. Well, well, when Trump came, the first thing he did as president is he signed executive orders, wiping away the executive orders signed by Obama and Clinton that that were seeking to expand abortion across the world. So he signed executive orders to protect unborn children, just as Jehu was seeking to, Jehu was seeking to dismantle the cult of child sacrifice. Well, Trump has sought, we have to pray it could happen, sought to, and with his first action, sought to dismantle government support of the cult of abortion. So, I mean, even that, even that. And remember, remember Jehu was once for it, so Trump, but now he actually did the right, he did the right thing. But could there be even more to that, this mystery? Because because in the paradigm, when the warrior rises, the temple of Baal falls to the earth. Well, this is mind-boggling. But across the world, in the Middle East, there actually has stood a temple of Baal for 2,000 years. 2,000 years. And it stood, it stood and then suddenly, the, the paradigm says, the warrior rises, the Temple of Baal falls. Suddenly, the Temple of Baal, 2,000 years, fell. And, and when did it fall? It fell in 2015, the year of the rise of the warrior, the year that Trump began his rise. And when specifically? Well, Trump began his rise in the summer of 2015. In the summer of 2015, the Temple of Baal fell to the earth. 
unbelievable, but but well spelled out with very very specifically in uh, in Jonathan Kahn's book. This is so fascinating, and it gives us a right now. It gives us a kind of a measuring stick as to where we're at even today, yeah. and and there's so much more. Yes. Yeah, oh. I'll, I'll just I'll just mention because I know we just have a few minutes, um, so I'll just mention to the readers. I mean, I, I, obviously, whatever I can do, whatever, even we, and this and this is awesome. And thank you guys. First of all, this is two hours, and yet we can just scratch the surface of it, as you know, because you read it. But the thing is that that, but there at the at, at the end part of the book, there's a chapter called Harbingers of Things to Come, and that is a concern to what what lies ahead, because you know what does does the paradigm contain hints, clues, keys to the future, and it does. And does it contain warnings? It does. And does it link up with the harbinger? As you said before, it does. It actually, the two mysteries, the paradigm and the harbinger, are going to converge together. And both of them, both of them are warning of judgment. And um, I, I will say, just, I, without, I, without going into detail, to say a few, a few quick things. One, is that there's a warning because Jehu doesn't doesn't ju- doesn't you know he does good things he does end the worship of Baal and a few things, but he also the Bible says he didn't in in other ways though he compromised and so there was, it was a mix but and also the nation would still was in the long term was still heading for judgment um, and so the because there was no re- there never was revival and so where we are right now and, and actually you know that's where it converges with a with a harbinger so the thing is that we right now I'll, I'll just say uh, you know because there's much more in of course the book has it all all those things but to say where we are is that uh, the paradigm reveals that where we are right now is this Jehu was used to stop what would have been the wiping out of religious freedom so the, the, the really the sealing of, of America and the West in many ways to provide a window of time for believers to preach the gospel, spread the gospel, impact, go forward in religious freedom, and do your thing. Because, the, you know, you know, Jehu wasn't the answer, Trump's not the answer, but it was a window for the answer to come. The answer is revival. And without revival, America will head to judgment. And, and, the, and whatever you see now will be nothing and compared to it. And so without revival, and so we need to pray for revival, work for revival, and not just that. We need to start living in revival. If we live in revival, the revival will start now. And so there is a call, and, and you know, there, there's much about the details of this, but, but also there's something at the very end called the Elijah paradigm, the Elijah mm-hmm. paradigm. And uh, without going into detail, but the paradigm actually contains a paradigm of how you are to live, how we are to respond, how the keys to overcome for such a time as this. And it ha- the, I mean, the, the clue is it has to do with Elijah. You know, one of the times when I stood before, when I was in, in the Capitol building and speaking to the to members of Congress and leaders, I was led to speak about Elijah and that America was standing between Elijah and Baal. And I didn't know the paradigm yet. You know, I didn't know, but that's exactly where we are. And the thing is that the thing is that you know if you know if right now you know we we sing these are the days of Elijah. Well, if these are the days of Elijah. We have to become the Elijahs of the day. It is not it is not a time to be feared. In fact, this could be the greatest time for believers. The dark is getting darker. Then it's time for the lights to get brighter. And so the paradigm of Elijah has has each key because that is the paradigm for God's people right now to overcome, to prevail. 
and also fulfill the calling we each have. It's in this Elijah paradigm. So it's, I'll say, it's linked to Elijah, um, and it's, but it's now for us to, to take up the mantle of Elijah. And God has a paradigm also for every everyone's life everyone who's listening right now he's got a plan for your life he's got a he's got a perfect plan but you the only way you can know it is by going all out for god the more all out you whatever is not of god's will put it away if you're not saved get saved if you're worried about you know these are times of judgment if you're concerned about you know how am i going to be safe well the key the in hebrew the word for safety is yeshua and yeshua is jesus get inside jesus get born again and you will have to worry about fearing judgment but then but if you are in the lord it's time to wake up this is the day, and we need to get whatever you have to do. These these are the days of Elijah. Become the Elijah of the day, and you will fulfill the paradigm that God has for your life. Jonathan Kahn, thank you so very much. You've actually brought us right almost perfectly to the end of the program. Whoops, I dropped my pencil there. Sorry about that. And amen to what you just yeah. said. I mean that. I mean, uh, can you repeat that? That that. Uh, Jesus means safety in Hebrew. Is that oh, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You want to, if you want, want to be safe. I want to. Well, the word for safety is Yeshua, and Yeshua is the real name of Jesus. The, the, the outside of Jesus, there's no safety. Inside of Jesus, there's no fear. But just be in God's will. Be in God's will. And and for those, and and thank you guys for what you're doing. Thank you for allowing this. Um, and for those, you know, and thank you for telling everybody. But just to say, for everybody to get the paradigm, it's everywhere from Amazon to Walmart. You can't miss it. It's everywhere. But live the life God's called you to and you guys I love you guys keep up the great work be strong and I'm, I know we'll, we'll see each other again our, our paths will cross you know, keep fighting the good fight and you as well you'll be on our prayers for a uh, swift recovery of course uh, you're on your road or on the road there to recovery and thank you for taking the time out tonight and we'll promote uh, your book yeah, uh, as much as we can absolutely thank you guys yep. thank you God bless you God bless, God bless you always Thank you so very much. And, and that was, folks, that was Jonathan Kahn. Uh, what a tremendous man. What a, what a man of God. But, but, you know, Joe, what really got me when I was reading this book was, and, and I kept it to myself, and, and I didn't, I didn't say anything. My wife and I, we read this book and we, we, and we, we knew this interview. I knew this interview. You knew this interview was coming up. But the thing about this is, it, you, you cannot, how can I put this? By reading it, right, by reading this book, it's got the fingerprints of God in, today's events have the fingerprints of God. And, and hence the paradigm. And the paradigm is real. And his a, writing has, has the fingerprints oh of God too, goodness. from the book of mysteries to the harbinger to, yep. I mean, well, look at his body of work. Uh, all the things, all the uh, anomalies, all the connections to God from 9-11, from the, uh, you know, the we will rebuild, we will rebuild stronger from the church that George Washington consecra- consecrated, uh, right a kitty corner to the towers that was not damaged as every other building around it basically crumbled. I mean, hundreds of examples there. The Book of Mysteries, which takes a number of Hebrew scriptures and breaks them down into the root word to give them their true meaning and to reveal so much of the mysteries that are already in the Bible that uh, folks who read the Bible just one time will never catch, but if you continue to read it and learn the, the language and learn the root meaning of words, it comes alive in, in special ways. And he has, and the Lord has blessed this man, and, and, and Jonathan has uh, used that blessing 
to put pen and paper to get the Lord's message across. Yeah, exactly. And, and just to kind of quote a couple of, of things here, the Word of God is beyond time. That which was written nearly 3,000 years ago is also relevant now, is relevant now as when it was first written. What we're now witnessing is this massive metamorphosis of Western civilization, a metamorphosis of values, morality, culture, society, and nations, the metamorphosis of apostasy. Oh, this is affecting the entire world on not just a global scale, but also on the smallest of scales in our lives, your life, my life, our lives. And with that, I cannot think of a better way to close tonight's program. But with that, you know what? If you are, if you have the ability, send, uh, Jonathan Kahn a, th- a note of thanks. Go on his Facebook page. Um, and, and, and make Buy sure, his book? Y- y- of course, yes. But make sure you get, he gets the message that you heard his first interview. After the book is published on the Hagman Report, so grateful to, so honored to, to to be his first interview. Not necessarily because of the circumstances, but honored nonetheless. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen. God bless each and every one of you. Until tomorrow. 